Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day from the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Dan McLaughlin is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is also with us. We'll be here until 10. And let's get things started with 101 ESPN weather on the zeros. It's 42 degrees in St. Louis. High today, 67 degrees. So enjoy a great outdoors in St. Louis, Missouri today. 67 and sunny. The traffic, by the way. <laughs> we have no traffic on all of east or westbound in Creve Corps. So enjoy the traffic and the weather today. Traffic, traffic and weather together brought to you by Captain Randy Carricker and 101 ESPN Jet Captain 2. Second Hi. alert weather. <laughs> That's right. All right. How, how many, many guys are going golfing today? Are you guys going golfing today? I have such a busy day, I can't. <sighs> what do you got on the docket, uh, Randall? Well, that would Dan, preclude you from playing golf. I have a, a meeting with my friends at the Fathers and Family Support Center. We've got a wrap up meeting for our trivia night. I have a trip to Mantality. I have a Lindenwood President's Council meeting later in the day. And uh, then at 5 o'clock this afternoon, this evening, it's Incarnate Word Basketball as they play. Oh, cool. Play you're going to go see that, huh? Headed on over there. Yeah. Nice. nice. So it's a busy day that will preclude me from uh, even getting the clubs out of my car. How about you? Uh, I'll find or figure out a way to go hit some balls. Yeah, okay. definitely. How it's too you? nice. I think it's going to get even over 60. I saw 72 maybe today. Oh, doctor. Ooh. Which would be beautiful, beautiful yeah. here in the Gateway City. Perfect weather. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how about you, Brooke? <sighs> I do have a busy day as well with some other just miscellaneous things, more wedding planning stuff that mm-hmm. seems to take up a lot of my time now, and maybe go out and play some tennis. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Or pickleball. You got half, well, what, eight days left in, what is it today, the 24th? You got a week <laughs> left in February. And you've got all of March, uh-huh. all of April, all of May, and then essentially all of June. You've got four months, Brooke. Uh, not all of June. It's at the very beginning of June. Oh, so June. It's, it okay, is sneaking up that. on me right yeah, now. Okay, Where are you going months. for the honeymoon? We're trying to figure that out, actually. Oh, you don't even know yet, huh? No, we wanted to go to Japan, actually, for our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And rain. it's rainy season in June, so it's kind of a bad idea if you want to go enjoy Japan. So now we're trying to figure things out. I will gladly take any suggestions. Okay. Typically warm weather. Yeah. Mexico. There you go. That one's an easy. Somewhere in Mexico. Yeah. Oh. No. No. 
No? Okay. No. Nothing against Jackson, uh, Mississippi, but maybe not. <laughs> speaking of Japan, and you, you've spent time in Japan, but you could get a tip from the newest, most successful member of St. Louis City ST, Jose Kajima, scoring the winner last night in the 90th minute. St. Louis City SC with a CONCACAF Champions Cup victory over the Houston Dynamo 2-1 over at City Park. It was awesome. What a What a fun game. What a fun atmosphere to witness. Well, in his timeline yesterday, Mm -hmm. too, signed with City SC that morning and then makes his MLS debut, subbing into the game at the 86th minute and then scores his first MLS goal. And it was the match winner at the 90th minute. And it was a dagger. That's just a huge, huge moment for Kojima. It was very exciting to see. No one is ever going to forget Tim Parker. He's now scored the club's first ever goal Mm -hmm. at Austin FC. Club's mm-hmm. first ever MLS Cup in the playoffs. He scored against Sporting Kansas, uh, Kansas City. And then the first ever CONCACAF Champions goal last night against the Houston Dynamo. So you're not going to forget that name. I mean, that's kind of historic to see Tim Parker do what he uh, did last night. I enjoyed the game on television. And the announcer at one point said, close your eyes and listen to what's happening here in <laughs> St. Louis. He said it's like being in Europe. It's like watching some of the top teams that you'll ever see in the world. He said, close your eyes, take it in. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool to see this atmosphere that you have in downtown St. Louis. It's phenomenal. It really is. And the way that they specifically designed the stadium, too, if you guys have been there, you'll notice that at the very top, the way that's kind of, I believe it's steel that they have there, where the sound from the fans bounces up and then back into the atmosphere. So it makes it seem even louder, which it already is loud as it is, but it really just adds to that element of the atmosphere. So now after the victory last night, City will travel to Houston for the second leg of the first round with a 2-1 lead. The first tiebreaker is a away goal. So City just needs to avoid a one nothing Houston result to advance to the next round of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Go City! They'll open the MLS season, by the way, at City Park on Saturday versus Real Salt Lake. Real. The Mm. Real Salt Lake. Yeah. It might be Real, but it's okay. We like the Real Salt Lake. Yeah. There's the fake Salt Lake? I'm just, I, I'm ready for whatever you throw at us, Randall. Uh-huh. Real Salt Lake. Salt Real, Lake. Real, okay. Real yeah. Salt Lake. Now, Tim Parker, I think it's interesting you bring that up, Dan, because are we seeing a St. Louis legend being born, oh, a yeah. story being born here because of everything that you just listed? Are we seeing that happening right now? I don't know if I'd call him a legend. I would just call him a footnote that you wouldn't forget in Mm -hmm. soccer or St. Louis sports history because of the goals that he scored. Those are historic goals that uh, will never happen again, and he's the guy that's got three of them. That's hard to believe. In 10 years when somebody's doing the fight in the mornings on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, that'll be one of the questions, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, go, go Timmy. Better friend of the station, too. He is. Very close friend of the station. Yeah, he is. Good. Uh, college basketball last night wasn't as good a result as City SC was. St. Louis University down by 20, a little more than 20 most of the game. They actually got close at the end at garbage time. Duquesne, Duquesne, as they're known around here, uh, they beat St. Louis U 81-66. to It is bad for St. Louis U. Could it be worse? Yes. They could be winless in the conference, like hey. Mizzou is. They lost to fifth-ranked Tennessee, 72-67. Although, at one point, you thought Mizzou had a chance. Uh, yeah, especially if you watched that first half. You were, I had to double-check the score. I was like, wait a minute. Is this really happening where they're going to toe-to-toe with the number 5 Vols? But then, of course, the second half of that game happened. Dalton Connect, he really provided a lot of that scoring and stepped up in the second half of that. Arkansas, Florida, Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU. That's what they have left for Missouri. I'm not sure that they pick up a win. They would go winless then in conference play. SLU gave up 51% 
from the field. They cannot defend. That's been the story all year. And since here, Parker coming off really good games and scoring 30-plus, he was one for eight. I thought it was telling, though, he only played 15 minutes in the game. The other thing was Gibson Jimerson, two for 10 from three-point territory. So when you add it up, man, nothing's going right for either of these teams. Slew has George Washington, Richmond, Rhode Island, Dayton, St. Bonaventure. I could see maybe one win out of that, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe not. Maybe they continue to go winless in their stretch of games here down the stretch. One of the things, if you don't have talent, most of the time you can still defend. I'm shocked at St. Louis U's inability to defend. That's what he's built his program on, mm-hmm. is that you have to be able to defend before you find minutes on the floor. Again, 51% from the field, and also they gave up 35% from three. A lot of that was uncontested. Watched the game last night. Wasn't pretty, One, you know, any way you want to look at it. So, slew again, you know, with uh, five games left in the conference, may not win one of those games. It'll be one of the most disappointing seasons under Travis Ford. It'll be the most disappointing season they've had under Travis Ford. I need to correct that. That would be the most yeah. disappointing season. He, and... They have kind of tried to sell, because they haven't had the tournament success, they've tried to sell the idea of, well, we've had four consecutive 20-win seasons at St. Louis U, and we've never had that before. Well, now you don't have that to fall back on. And it just doesn't look... Some coaches build teams. Some build, have been able in the past to build programs. Well, it doesn't seem like Travis has either now. He's got one NCAA tournament appearance. I thought... The COVID year, if it doesn't hit, that team was Mm -hmm. really good and had a chance to go and do some special things. But like everybody else, dealing with COVID, and it affected their program, and now he's got one. And I I just feel like Chris May brings him back another year. I don't know know what the buyout is. I've heard it's a lot. I've heard. Um, But I, I think that he'll give him one more shot, even though they don't have a lot coming back and a lot coming in. I bet he gives him one more year. Whether fans like it or not. Really? You think so? I do. Wow. It yeah, is I'm, and just because of the buyout. The, the buyout is the buyout huge. And, and I do understand the overall body of work. Travis Ford is great, but this season has just been, I agree with you, Dan, I would say the worst under his time here with the Billikens. And where do they move forward from here? Hopefully he will be able to recruit. I would like to see recruiting like what he has done before, recruiting more locally. Of course, the transfer portal and all that, utilizing that a little bit more, but where do you think that he goes from here with the program? It seems like they've just always had that staple, really talented player here. Yeah, and I wonder if they have at St. Louis University, and I know the the boosters, they listen, they and, and they're trying. The, the, the boosters that are involved are really engaged and, and trying, but I wonder if there's enough there to get that big-time player, that star player that you're talking about, Brooke, in the transfer portal to come to St. Louis University. That's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to pay yep. for somebody yeah. to come there. Apparently, the recruiting class that they have coming in isn't great. So, to mm-hmm. your point, transfer portal, lay it all on the line mm-hmm. for SLU and go for broke and try to bring some of these kids in and, and convince them that, hey, we we don't have a lot coming back. And if you come here, not only are you going to get paid, but you're going to play. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are two things that players are looking for. And the Cardinals will get things started for their spring season on Saturday. They've got split squads against the Marlins and the Mets. Zach Thompson will start one game. Matthew Libertor will start the other game. And it looks like the way that it's working here that you're going to have a head-to-head competition. I guess Matt's is locked in right now as the fifth starter, right? And so it'll be for the sixth starter, either Thompson or Libertor. And I wonder how far down the line they go. I wonder if they, they let these guys go head-to-head pitching in the same game when, when they don't have split squads. Clearly, this is the start of it, but hopefully it's a real competition. Are they also, is this a way for them to see if they will use a six-man rotation going into the start of the season? I think also just extending guys, getting ready for who doesn't make it on the team, and maybe both do make it on the team. One's going to go to the bullpen, if not both, but you have to have depth in the minor leagues, so you got to extend both guys to be starters just in case you have injury or whatever would uh, pop up for them. Right. And, Brooke, to your point, I I think – that with the way the schedule plays out and the fact that we're in 2024, it's it's not my day anymore where you could have a five-man rotation and get through the first eight days of the season without a sixth starter. Mm-hmm. I just think the way things are set up in baseball now, they almost have to go with a six-man rotation to start the season, especially with the age of the, the free agents that they brought in and the relative youth and lack of innings under the belt of people like Zach Thompson and Matthew Libertor. The the only person that, that I would see there, well, not even Michaelis, or Matt's because he's hurt. Not hurt now, but he, he's going to be. So I, I don't think that there's a guy where you say, okay, that's our... Joaquin Andujar, that's our Max Scherzer. That's our guy that, okay, we'll start him on the first day, we'll start him on the fifth day, we'll start him on the on the tenth day, and he'll go for us and he'll give us six, seven innings right out of the chute. They don't have that guy. They got Sonny Gray. He will be that guy. We're going to find out because he's going to go every fifth day. Yeah, well, I wonder, though, Dan, if you start the season with him, because last year was a career year for him, and he's never been a big innings guy. He, he, he gave the innings last year. 146, I think, last yeah. year. He's averaged over the last year. But he's averaged 146 the last three years. Yeah, so I wouldn't want to count on that, and I wouldn't want to risk that at the age of 34. I want to have him as fresh as he can possibly be in August and September. Yeah, I think to your point, too, about uh, looking at – the other guys, Lance Lynn, and some of the others that are elder statesmen, that's what I'm going to call them, mm-hmm. is that a six-man rotation makes sense because you want to ease into the season. It's just the way baseball's played this day and age. You just ease into the season and uh, give them a chance to fully build up. I mean, some people come out of spring training and they're still not built up where they need to be, and you see a quick hook on these mm-hmm. on these pitchers, and that may be the case in, in why they're doing what they're doing. And they do play eight in a row out of the box, then their day off, and then five more in a row before another day off. So we'll see. And it seems like just based on the conversation that we had with John Denton and some of the other reports, if they do go with a six-man rotation, it would be Matthew Libertor. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I'd put Zach Thompson in there, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily Libertor. I think it's competition with those two guys, and then one either goes to the bullpen or they go to the minor leagues. I would hope... I, I think it's going to be really hard to have both of them on the roster. I do, too. So mm-hmm. I, I would hope that this is a legit competition. We, yes. we haven't even seen them pitching games yet. I hope that over the course of the five weeks of spring of spring training games that we get a legit— because we don't always get a lot legitimate competition from the Cardinals. I hope we get one here. I, I think the competition, what's left is those two guys, which stretches into the conversation about the bullpen, mm-hmm. and that's about it. I think it's going to be kind of an uneventful spring unless someone gets hurt, but— 
your everyday lineup is set, your starting five is set, and now your bullpen and this competition comes into play. And realistically speaking, you have Herrera, you have Carpenter, you have Alec Burleson, and uh, who am I leaving out? Uh, Dylan Carlson. Oh, are you thinking about your bench? Yeah, you've got a four-man bench and that's it. Yep. And that's the way it goes. And then this is the competition with these two guys. And then what do you think? Four spots uh, already. See, I'm I'm just going off the top of my head, but four spots in the bullpen bullpen already Mm -hmm. are kind of locked up. And then you have a competition for a couple more. I think more because I think you've got the two imports. You've got Gallego or uh, you've got Kittredge. You've got. uh, I mean, for the available spots. But I I agree with what you're saying. There's a lot more guys that could get in there. Yeah. But. I think those two are locks. I think Romero is a lock. Yes. I think Gallegos is a lock. I think Helsley is a lock. So that's five that I think are locks right out of the box. And then you need to have that six start, starter spot that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's six. So, so really, I think you've got two open spots down there. And I would like to see Riley O'Brien be a part of that. Just based off of what I've seen so far, I think that he would be a great addition to that bullpen. And his minor league strikeout numbers were off the charts last year. Nick Robertson would be another name, too, that they'll take a hard look at. And they'll put them in situations where it's not the ideal matchups that they normally get in regular season play. So if you're playing the Mets, you might get the middle of their lineup. You're going to see them a ton. If you see the Nationals, you're going to get the middle of their lineup. Everyday Mm -hmm. players to see exactly how they fare in those situations. And I wonder if Ryan Fernandez, because he was Rule 5, if going in, he has the edge, everything else being equal with him or a Nick Robertson or somebody like that, because they would have to offer him back to Boston. I wonder if Fernandez would have a built-in advantage there. Might. Who was the guy in 96? Mejia, was it? Mm-hmm. That, that stayed, Miguel Mejia. Yeah, that stayed all through the season and maybe appeared in like 15 games, yep. but they didn't want to give him up. <laughs> yeah, scored a winning run against the Dodgers, That's remember, right. in L.A. Yeah, and then he spends his year here, and all of a sudden, he's not as good as we thought he was nope. going to be. We kind of wasted a, a spot with him, <laughs> we, too. We, we did. That is uh, our opening salvo here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, it is Wednesday. It is springtime. It's a beautiful day in St. Louis. You might have no plans, but you need something to do. So if you have any questions for us, it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. So all you need to do is text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. And you have Ask Uncle Randy from anywhere in the country. If you have a question for us, we'll have an answer for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Grimsley is here. Danny Mack is here. Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. It's time for your questions for Ask Uncle Randy. And if you have any serious things going on in your life and you just need a little bit of advice, that's what you have Uncle Randy for. He's here to give you just uh, clean, unvarnished advice. And all you need to do is text in. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, this is just a perfect one. Dear Uncle Randy, I'm in sales and I love to play golf. I'm a member at a local pricey club, so of course I want to get my money's worth. Mm -hmm. But I may have a problem of playing more and working less. I vowed to work harder and play less golf this summer. However, I just can't let today's weather forecast get by me. Do you think I should go play golf today or stay in the office? P.S. When do you want to play together? Uh, (laughs) We'll set that up. 
Yes, you are a salesperson. Golf should be part of your daily routine at this time of year when the weather is good. That's what salespeople do. That's why you have that membership. It should be, if I'm not mistaken, tax deductible. So, yes, you take advantage of today because here's my thing. Happy employees are effective employees. They're productive employees. If you want to get the most out of your abilities, then what you need to do is head to that pricey club today, have your clubs uh, ready to rock and roll, hit that first tee shot, and if you need to forget about work, do it. Maybe it's a little too much pressure that you're under to sell a lot of stuff. Either way, yes, get on the course today. That is my recommendation. That's not my recommendation. That's an order from Uncle Randy. Well, if anything, if you're more relaxed after playing golf, which I know that golf sometimes can be frustrating. I've learned that the hard way. But at the same time, if you're a little bit relaxed, that I assume that you might do a little bit better with sales. Also with sales, a great way to bring possible clients over. I see a lot of benefits in this. A hundred percent, Brooke. You're, there's no doubt about it. Business done on the golf course. Yes. Sales done on the golf course happens all the time. Teach your youngsters how to play golf. It makes a big difference in their business life. What would happen, though, if you went out with this particular listener? Would you get who's going to work who here, Randy? Are you going to try to get him to sponsor you or is he, you oh. know, trying to get you to, to dive into his business? We're just we're tight. Or her business. I, I am. I am that person's uncle, and we're just out for a good time. <laughs> okay. We're, we are not talking business. We're going to talk sports. The person obviously is interested in, in sports, and that's their expectation of me is to get out on the golf course and talk sports. I don't want to drag people into work. It's kind of depressing. You know, sometimes <laughs> yeah, I, if that person is in sales or if that person has a management position, I would hope that person doesn't even bring their phone on the course if they don't want to. Mm, I don't know. I got to have my phone with me. I do too. But it's terrible, they, isn't it? Yeah, if they don't want to bring theirs, that's fine. Yeah, it is terrible. Do you start to get anxious when you don't have your phone on you? Mm -hmm. Yes. You? When you lose it for like five minutes oh, and you don't know gosh. where it is, yeah. it's like your life is gone. Yeah, I've told the story before about how I lost my phone for about 20 minutes. I was here in the office. I was doing uh, the fast lane at the time, and I was furious, and I was pounding on things, looking all over, took the elevator, went downstairs, looking all over in my car. And then uh, after literally 20 minutes, I realize, oh, I'm on the phone with Dan McLaughlin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dan, did he tell you that? And you're like, uh. I, I remember it, but I, I can't remember if he was, was yelling at me no, or what I, was happening. I, I, I cursed <laughs> under my breath a few times. Yeah, it happens. I'm an idiot. It's, uh, I'm just an idiot, okay? I, <laughs> no. I, I, but at least I embrace my idiotism. <laughs> yeah, at some point, since like 2010, we've all... Been on the phone with somebody yeah. been like, I can't find my phone. Yep. Uh, Uncle Randy, I have an interview in a couple weeks to hopefully become a city firefighter. I don't usually interview well. What are good tips, first of all? Okay, if you don't interview well, my recommendation is that you know the people that you're interviewing with. I hope you get to interview with Chief Jenkerson. I know he's listening this morning. Uh, and the other thing is, for that particular job, talk about how you want to serve. It, it, make everything revolve. And here's the thing. There's... If you aren't a good interviewee, be able to pivot to why you want that job. If you want to serve and that's why you want to be a firefighter, then say, my goal in life and my goal with this job is to serve others. I know I'm going to put my life on the line for others, and that's what I want to do because I love the city of St. Louis, and I want to be here working with these people. And also, I think it's always good, too, to ask somebody who is currently in that job position of what you want. So mm -hmm. going to another firefighter and saying, hey, what did you say? What kind of questions were asked so that you feel even more prepared for that situation? And what other questions yep. could come up?
Just relax. Yeah. yeah. Just relax. Be yourself. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, you can't work for a better guy than Dennis Jenkerson, the, the fire chief of the city of St. Louis. He's awesome. Yes. Dear Uncle Randy, I'm about to propose to my girlfriend. Where in the St. Louis area would you pick for the most beautiful place to get engaged? No golf courses, please. Let's no go golf city. courses. Okay. That, that, that's reasonable. That's fair. Well, that's tough now. No, I'm kidding. Well, okay. <laughs> there are multiple things you can do, but I would start with the idea of Forest Park in front of the jewel box would be great. I thought you were going to go with the free zoo. <laughs> well, that's in Forest Park, is it's it less, not? That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. less he, free he in those situations. There. Exactly. <laughs> now, here's... And we're not quite to that time of year. I don't know what time you're going to be doing this, but I would suggest that the botanical garden is going to be beautiful very quickly. And so that, if you're going to have photos, but if if you're not going to have photos, then I, you know what I would do? I I, I would try something like the new uh, 360 over at Westport. Go to the top of that, and uh, if you're having dinner. Find a creative way. I know that uh, one of the one of the it's not as creative anymore is but having the champagne with the the glass with the the ring dropped in the glass. And That's stuff adorable. Like that. That is. It is adorbs. <laughs> uh, and you know, on a nice clear St. Louis day, if you're up at the top of the Gold Tower at Westport, that'd be fantastic. I think there's. How did you propose to Joan? It really never happened. Oh, it just you knew there was true love. Yeah, it was. It was. Let it rip. One, yeah, it was just one of those things. Nice. Yeah, oh, never, never really happened. That's sweet. That's uh, you guys know the story. Matthew does of the. Uh, I was gonna the, say, have you adjusted the story that you're not like so microwave forward with it no, anymore? No, like, well, did she tell you, "Hey, Randy, can we edit this story for me, please?" Yeah. The, so the, uh, that was her engagement present was a microwave. Very microwave forward. With I the remember story. this yes, story. Yes, it's actually everybody has their own version. Of saying, story. saying it just happened casually instead of saying microwave yeah, sounds a lot microwave. better. I'm just gonna say that right now. Like, yeah. just that's a better opening. I was line. a different guy then. Aww. Also, another suggestion: if you do want to do it outside, say Forest Park or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's these picnic services, like alpaca picnic. I've used them before for an event, and they will actually help set up like a very nice setup, and I've seen them do Mm -hmm. proposals. It just kind of adds another little element to it if you want to do it outside at Forest Park. Good call. And by the way, one other uh, cool one, if if you wanted to make it a, a photo op, you can never go wrong with having the arch in the background. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good shot. Dear Uncle Randy, I got totally hosed on a trade on a new on a new 2024 Chevy Malibu. Should I go to another dealership for the service out of spite? Yes. yes absolutely. <laughs> yes. If, if you got hosed and they were hosing you intentionally, yeah, you go to another dealership out of spite. The only thing is, it's a Chevy? I think it's, it's, yeah, Chevy okay. Malibu. Because there are dealerships that provide for the first year or so or the first several trips in for maintenance free maintenance so make sure that you don't have free maintenance before you go to another dealership and pay for it oh. fuse automotive i mean they're the best there you go fuse automotive Lou they've fuse done show. a lot for uh youth in our area with the F- Lou fuse sports complex at fuse automotive might help that uh, one of the fuses is my neighbor oh well oh, nice. uh, no that's a good thing that's yeah so, uh, we we he'll take care of you Good. The brothers will take care of you. I'm telling you, they're good guys. Uh, dear Uncle Randy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, speaking of that, what is going to happen to Rams Park, which is currently being run by the Lou Fuse Athletic Group? It's in the fall, right? October that Stan Kroenke can buy it for a dollar? Yeah, he gets it back for a dollar if he yeah. wants it. Uh, so I would think that he'll buy it and just let it sit there. Which would be awful. Yeah, but I that's, mean, there's that's so many is, kids though. that get in there, and it's helpful for the community. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think, he does something like yeah, that. I, I think he would hate the idea of kids in St. Louis having fun. <laughs> um, so how about just fun in particular? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Oh yeah, he's if he can own a, own a piece of land, he's going to take it. And look, he he bought a piece of land, the the Wagner Ranch was it in Texas, whatever the the ranch was, and there were people that had lived there for fifty years. And the previous owners had actually asked him, "Hey, can these people stay?" A lot on of land? veterans too yep. lived on that property, yep. and he kicked him off. Kicked him off. Terrible. Uh, he owns a piece of land in Canada that. People have to go from public land to this little this ranch. It's a big ranch, and then go uh, and get to public land. He will not people let people cross. And there's roads to drive to this uh, lake where people have fished for years. So uh, he's going to be as spiteful as he can possibly be. And it's I think more pronounced here in St. Louis. Thank you, Matthew. You're welcome. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Rob Manfred's going to be around for five more years. What would you like to see with baseball before Manfred retires? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred announced last week that he's going to retire in 2029. And he's still got some things to accomplish. What would you like to see happen with baseball before he does? And we've kind of come up with some ideas that we have. Uh, Brooke, what, what... is one thing that you would like to see happen in baseball before Rob Manfred calls it a career? Well, there's a lot of things, but I think the most important one that he is currently facing right now is making baseball accessible to everyone. And he has addressed that he wants to figure out where he has no more blackouts. I think that's very, very important, especially when we're talking about growing the game of baseball, mm-hmm. not just here on a national level, but you also want to grow it internationally. Figuring out a way to make it more accessible to everyone, I think needs to be at the forefront of what he's doing. He's mentioned that before and how he will handle this and hopefully fix it, I think could really define or be a defining part of his legacy. That was my number one, make it accessible for all the fans to watch on television. I think his legacy could also be cemented with expansion. 
And if they expand into a couple of markets that are craving more professional sports, I think that would help. Um, Let's go back just a little bit, by the way. And right now, I think he's going to be remembered for the Houston cheating scandal, Mm -hmm. this debacle with the Oakland A's, if they can't get that figured out. The lockout of 2021, which was something that uh, I had kind of forgotten and did a little, little research and just, you know, thinking about what he's done in his tenure. But to Brooks' point, you got to make the games accessible to all fans across the nation. And that includes your home market and your home teams. And guys, I don't disagree with that. There's got to be a way to allow fans to consume the product, no doubt about it. But the product has taken a hit, and we have a tendency as a viewing public to look at commissioners and only look at the negative and not recognize the positives that commissioners have done. I think Rob Manfred, overall, the way that the Houston scandal was handled notwithstanding, I think the game is better now than the day he took over. I think the action is better. I like the, the sport better. The economy of the sport has improved for the owners, so there's a lot of good things. But... There is one problem that affects the quality of the product, and that is the middle class being squeezed out. And, Brooke, we've talked about this, uh, and, and Dan, I think you were here that day, where we talked about the fact that the Cardinals essentially had a first- or second-year bullpen and a rookie bench last year. And that $4 million bench player, the guy who could give you a quality at-bat in the seventh inning, the guy who knows how to play the game, that Abraham Nunez, that Miguel Cairo, that Jose Okendo, that guy... Has been squeezed out of the sport because teams aren't willing to pay for that quality. They say, oh, I'll just have a kid do it. Well, this is why, and this should be a discussion right now because this CBA goes through 2026. They should talk about having a salary floor and a very high Mm. salary cap. Now, one thing that Rob Manfred needs to point out to Tony Clark and Scott Boris is that every time a quarterback in the NFL signs a contract, he's making more than all but two MLB players. Scherzer and uh, and Verlander are the only two guys that are making more than most quarterbacks in the NFL. So he's got to point out that here we've got 53-man rosters, and we've got a lot of players that are making a whole lot more than baseball players are. So a salary cap is not necessarily a bad thing, but a salary floor is a good thing for your group of players, for I, your union. Yeah, I love the idea of having a salary floor. Now, do I think that this will ever happen? No, because of how powerful the players' union is, mm-hmm. and we know that. They are not going to agree to that whatsoever, but it just helps with the competitiveness of the game, where you have teams, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I think we all know, like the Pirates, where sometimes they're not willing to spend as much money. You see the Rays, they also are really good at developing and finding talent, but then they they don't really want to keep that talent when it comes to the big payday. There's so many other organizations and franchises that you can point to that are doing that. I think that it just helps with the competitive balance of the game if you have a salary floor and a salary cap. And on top of that, if you imagine if you added, like we've been discussing, that deadline, that signing deadline, how much more exciting all yeah. of that would be. Salary floor would also, to an extent, eliminate tanking. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think that's a good thing, too. I mean, you shouldn't be able to gut the roster down to a, a payroll that's 35 to $40 million when you have other teams that are at the tax threshold or a salary cap, if you will. So it eliminates tanking. I, I think the other thing that could cement his legacy, highly controversial, whether you want it or not, would be the automatic strike zone. Yep. And I, I know there's some that say you got to have it. There are others that say keep the human element of the game, which I get. But I, I think we're within two years of seeing an automated strike zone. And that will be something that 
will cement his legacy, whether you like it or not, but it's coming. Even a challenge system. There are a couple of people, by the way, Angel Hernandez, C.B. Buckner, I don't think they can be embarrassed. They're so bad, they're incapable of being embarrassed. (laughs) But I do believe a challenge system will cause umpires to focus more. So even if a, a team has three challenges during the course of a game Mm -hmm. to the strike zone, I think the fear of being shown up by the automatic system will benefit baseball because I think umpires will focus more. The catchers, by the way, it eliminates pitch framing. Mm -hmm. So just put a guy back there that can throw a little bit, catch and throw, have the quick pop-up time for stolen base attempts, and you don't have to worry about catch framing or soft hands behind the plate for the most part. I think the other thing that's an issue that could be addressed in the next five years is the reinstatement Pete Rose Mm -hmm. to Major League Baseball and would he get into the Hall of Fame where I I know that people are split on this and if he's betting on if he did bet on his own team which by all accounts he did Mm -hmm. um, then can you reinstate him I mean he's I think 80-plus years old right now. Yeah, I'd love to see Pete Rose get back in the at least the fold and then have a chance to get to the Hall of Fame. He, he should have a plaque in Cooperstown. There's no doubt that yep. he should have a plaque in Cooperstown. To swing this back, though, to the beginning, expansion would take uh, work from others. A salary floor, a salary cap would take work from others. A, si- uh, tra- a signing deadline for free agents would take work from others. An automated strike zone would, would take work from others. The only thing that Rob Banford can do himself is what you brought up first, Brooke, is the television situation. He doesn't need help from the union, and he can improve the sport dramatically just by taking some measures of his own to make it better with the television exposure. Because we've talked about it, baseball is regional, and a lot of that does have to do with where you're able to watch the games and where you're able to access it. And so if you are able to get rid of those TV blackouts, I think it's just going to be better for the game of baseball overall. Something that will not be talked about is the international signings. Mm. Uh You're signing 12-year-old kids. Guys are lying about their ages to get signed, which I hate. You, you look at the background of where some of these people are coming from, and Carlos Martinez grew up on a dirt floor. I mean, mm-hmm. do, do you really blame him for what he had to do to get to Major League Baseball or other players? But I, I would imagine that's something that needs to be tinkered as they move forward. Absolutely. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got Tioli. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Dan, Matthew, and Randy, time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Jeannie Bouchard, who's a great pro tennis player, says to TMZ, quote, people think there's an automatic transition from tennis to pickleball, and there's not. It's a completely different sport. Okay, our resident great tennis player is Brooke Grimsley. Take it or leave it. Jeannie Bouchard is wrong. I'm going to have to leave it because if you actually go and see some of the pro pickleball players, they're former tennis players. So it actually is a pretty reasonable transition because you have to have the hand-eye coordination. There is some similarities. I do agree that there's different rules, Mm -hmm. different other aspects to the game, different terminology in some cases, 
like the kitchen, but at the same time, I think there's a reason why a lot of tennis players are able to transfer over to pickleball. I didn't think, here's the thing, I didn't think I was going to like it at first. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, what is this sport that's taking over my tennis courts? Like, just being all grumpy like that. But then after I played, I was like, oh, this is like tennis, mm-hmm. a little bit easier where you don't have to do as much running around. Oh, I, like that. I enjoy it. I have never played pickleball, but I've not had one person come to me that has and said, I didn't enjoy it. Th- Everybody exactly. loves it. Apparently yeah, it's one addictive. person. That's everybody's playing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. except for me. If you guys want to go out with me, I I will help you oh, guys look out. Oh, we, 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 we gotta get hurt. What, but we gotta beat the fast lane, <laughs> and the fast lane has athletes now. I mean, with Carrie and and Jamie and we Anthony and, and Marcia, yeah. we got Brooke. We would win. I will train you guys. Okay, good. I will train you guys. Yeah. So we'll and, make it work out. Okay, so. Power rankings of shows for pickleball here at oh, 101 ESPN. Oh gosh. So uh, you've got us, you've got T Mac and Ajax, the balloon party, you've got uh, BKM Ferrario, and then you've got Fastlane. Current power rankings of those four teams. Well, I'm going to have to pick us, yeah, of we're course, one. because yeah, confidence is key here, and I'll be coaching you guys. Yeah. Now, I know that T Bone played tennis. True, good point. But Carrie, I know, and Carrie and I, we, we like to be competitive. Mm-hmm. So I, and Jamie plays, so maybe us fast lane and the BK and Ferrario plus T Bone, and then T Mac and Ajax bringing up the rear, huh? Oh yes. This show is about honesty, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> we have no chance. Oh, oh no, come Dan, on, come on, no, believe we, in yourself. Confidence. Look at Randy key. and I. Do you think that we're going to get out there and not like tear up our knees, <laughs> counting on Brooke and Matthew? <laughs> yeah. Matthew, we'll, we'll figure Matthew's it played, out. Matthew's good. Matthew might have a ringer too, right? I'm 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 pretty solid. We'll be there, fine. We'll be, we'll be fine. I'm not I'm not, I'm, not like I'm not scared of any of that. I like it. I'm not scared yeah. of any. Usually, you want me to be scared of another show on this station? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> are we Are we playing actual football or actual hockey? No. Then I'm number one with a bull at the opening drive, ladies and gentlemen. I like mm. it. I need to make this happen. But first, uh, don't worry, guys. I will make sure I will help you a little bit first. Thank you. No injuries. We'll We'll have to do a lot of stretching beforehand. And by the way, Jeannie Bouchard, you're wrong. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. So a lot of Bears fans and NFL fans are in detective mode right now because some people noticed that Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Take it or leave it, in this day and age of young athletes and social media, there is actually something there to that, and he will be traded possibly? Now, I also read that they don't know if he ever did follow the Bears on Instagram. That And that could be the case. But it's just so funny now that that's what people do. Is <laughs> that they, they go look yeah. at their likes. They go look at who they're following, who they unfollow. People keep track of every single little thing. Yeah, but uh, to your point, I'm going to take it that it is a thing. If he's, not, if he's got an Instagram account and isn't following the Bears, that's a thing. I'm going to take it. All right, take it or leave it. This is uh, Take that or leave it. With Justin Fields. Oh, I'm taking it. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all social media this uh, time with young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he, look at the, you always bring up the Lars Pippen or whatever Larsa the hell name it. Yeah, yeah Lars Pippen. I mean, they Scooty unfollow, Booty. follow, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. All right, take it or leave it. Zach Bolduke uh, will have a goal in his debut. And I just say that because his junior coach was Patrick Waugh. Okay. So he's going to face the Islanders. He turns 21 this weekend. Why not add a goal to your weekend resume? Take it. Ooh, yeah. I like that, Dan. Yeah, I'm going to have to take that for then sure. Celebrate over a wheelhouse? Sure. Like so most of the Stanley Cup guys yeah, did. Yeah, he's a blue. <laughs> I'm looking forward to his debut. Me too. I right. am. They just they need something on five on five. They need some scoring. So looking forward to see what he can do. Me too. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? 
Take it or leave it. One of the one of the Boris four will be unsigned come opening day. I'm going to take that. So that'll be Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Cody Bellinger, and uh, Chapman. I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave it. Day? I, I'm going to leave it. I, I, I think the that the uh, the player will get too anxious yep. and wind up signing maybe not the deal that they want, but they'll be with a team somewhere. I agree. I I just think that. That would be absolutely terrible if one of the four does not sign. And I feel like as the players, there's no way that they would just want to sit back with that. So I'm oh, I'm sure it. they're fired up right now and saying, yeah. find me a spot. But yeah. if there's not a spot with certain big market teams that with the kind of contract that they want, they're on the outside looking in until someone gets hurt and there's desperation. I would, if I were one of those, any of those four, I would text my boss, Scott Boris, and say, Scott, uh, colon, uh, go all caps, games are starting! <laughs> <laughs> Give me out. Hey, Scott, don't they prorate this contract for 162? What the? <laughs> you're getting a smaller deal, and also you're yeah. also not getting the whole deal, my bad. Yeah. I, I, uh, but I would do that now, that spring yeah. training games are starting. Uh, take it or leave it, there will be three Cardinals with 12 or more wins this season. Leave it. I'm going to leave it, and the only reason I say that is that you may have more production than you think of, but Wins and losses, does it really matter? I not anymore. No. Me personally, I still think there's something with a win or loss. I, I know I'm old school with that, but uh, that would mean that you'd have to stay in games a little bit longer, and I'm not sure that there's a, enough of a push to do that across Major League Baseball to have that happen. Yeah, I'm going to have to leave it, too, just because of that aspect. And I do think wins and losses can be important, but it's just more of a team aspect stat, so... I don't know if it really matters in the grand scheme of it. I do love the idea of a pitcher that gives you an opportunity to win a game every time he takes the mound. I was going to say that their improved bullpen would help you get to 12 wins. Yes. To your point, Randy, mm-hmm. that they don't stay in very long. And you think about last year, all the leads that were given up. I think 41 different leads mm-hmm. that they had and 20-plus blown saves. Yep. And having to get... 10 or 11 outs is a dicey proposition for the best bullpens in yep. baseball. Absolutely. So you got to give uh, those guys got to give more than five and a third or, or five and two thirds. Uh, take it or leave it with all the collusion in baseball and a lot of big names still unsigned. You see a strike coming. I'm going to leave that. This is not, it's only the Boris guys. It's, mm-hmm. it's not everybody else. Sonny Gray got his money, right? He got 75 mil. The Cardinals signed their guys early before the meetings even started. So, uh, and you look around at the other big money players and players, Yamamoto signed and Otani got his money. And uh, guy signed for yeah. 700 million. How can yeah. you have collusion yeah. when you have yeah. $700 million yeah. Yeah. going to a guy? Yeah. Solaire signed, Marcus Stroman signed. Uh, the the Cubs signed to their uh, pitcher Imanaga, so no, there's. Uh, I I think that the union could probably at the behest of Boris say, hey, we've got collusion. Well, yeah, the the collusion might be that you Scott are asking for too much and and too That's many. That's where I'm going with yeah. that. Yeah, is it just an internal strike that we don't yeah. know about mm-hmm. amongst the owners against Scott Boris? Maybe of we don't want to deal with this well, as much anymore, or we just we want to pay. The, the number that we have placed on a player rather than the number you have placed on the player. Whether you like it or not, if you're in ownership or you're a GM or president of baseball operations, you have to deal with Scott Boris. Yeah. He's got the yes. best players. Right. You, but to your day. point, Randy, if you, if the numbers don't bear out, then you just move on. This all started, for those that aren't aware, I'll, I'll be 30 seconds here. 
when Bill DeWitt hired Jeff Luno, he wanted to have put a price tag on players. He said, okay, for this player's level of production, I want to have a price for this. This is where analytics started with Jeff Luno here in St. Louis in 2003. Now every team has their analytics, huge analytics department that has a price tag on every player. And those uh, Scott Boris's guys are overpriced. The other thing, too, that Luno did and that front office did, they were able to find, you know, Matt Adams is a great example. He went to, what, Slippery Rock. Mm -hmm. They're looking at him as a catcher. They watched his bat speed. They watched his power and said, this may translate to him being a professional. Trevor Rosenthal was signed because he was playing shortstop and fired one over to first base, which does happen. Sometimes you find those diamonds in the rough, but... That they looked at different things outside the box that helped them get to this point. And one of the sad things about analytics is that they became what they believe is so efficient that a guy like Trevor Rosenthal would never get drafted as a pitcher now because he was in the 23rd round. And now you only have 20 rounds. Just find talent. Yep. That's what they want. Find the talent, wherever posi- whatever position they're playing. Matthew, you got one more? Yeah, I do. Sometimes we get like weird narratives across like take it or leave it where like people say the same thing despite the fact that we talk about it a lot and uh-huh. dispel their weird logic. Take it or leave it. The city ownership group is going to wish they had a bigger stadium after city repeats their success. Leave it. Leave it. Okay, guys. One of the days I went to high school. Thank you. And as you guys know, my grades in high school were not great. But I did go to the business class the day we talked about supply and demand. Mm. And 22,500 seats is perfect for this franchise. Because as long as they're competitive, there's going to be great demand. And they are going to be able to sell tickets at a premium. They will never wish that they had. And by the way, analytics again, they're very analytical people. They knew exactly what they were doing when they settled on 22,500 seats. They did, and it's working out really mm-hmm. well to them, to your point. Maybe another part of this that this texter could be talking about is attracting bigger competitions. Is that what they're also thinking about, where if you have some availability with... I know we have the dome, but maybe renovating it a little bit more. Uh, Diego was asked about that in a St. Louis Magazine interview a couple weeks ago, and his reaction was there's a lot of different tournaments around the world, and some of them are... Some of them like having twenty-two-five stadiums, and okay. some of them like having sixty thousand. So it's not you're not necessarily taking yourself out of certain um, situations. You're just opening the doors on other ones, which I, I, I think is a realistic one. And again, I think it's always better to have a, a, a packed twenty-two-five mm-hmm. than thirty thousand in a forty thousand seat building. That's, I was just going to say the that the optics is better, and that mm-hmm. makes the product look better. It's exactly. the game day experience, the intimate setting. I think that's part of it too. And even if we had built National Car Rental Stadium, and it was set up for both. Uh, an MLS. And you're talking about football and soccer. The the upper deck would have been closed and we would have had a 25,000 seat soccer stadium too for MLS. But if World Cup is debating between Arrowhead Stadium at 80,000 seats and National Car Rental Stadium at 66,000 or 63, whatever it was going to be, they're going to go to the place with the highest capacity. So even if we had our football stadium, we would have lost out in the World Cup to Kansas City. You guys going to go to the World Cup? You gotta yes. find a way to get there. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, I, I would too. KC, yeah. Chicago. Yep. Be amazing. And it's gonna be incredible. Thank you, Matthew. You're welcome. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we've got our fresh take, and we want you to participate because we're gonna do this for us, and then we're gonna do it for you at 9:15. But if you could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? Unfortunately, I've got like 10, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I've, I've got one for me. And then I've got one for the world, too. There you go. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. All right, Danny Mac came up with this one, and it's great. If you could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? And we do invite your mic drops and texts. We'll use your text during the course of this segment, and mic drops at 9.15. If you could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? And there are a lot of outcomes that could be changed. I'm going to – and, Dan, you came up with this, so I want to give you the opportunity. But one of the ones that people have talked about for a long time now – that had so many tentacles was Drew Brees. And if Drew Brees had signed with the Dolphins and Nick Saban had had Drew Brees in Miami, Nick Saban never goes to Alabama. Uh, Sean Payton never winds up being the superstar coach in New Orleans. There's so many tentacles to Drew Brees not going to Miami. And I think that's a great one to think about all the things that could have happened. Mine was obvious. Don Dinkinger's blown call in 1985. I was a young kid at that point. And uh, it still sticks with me today. It still hurts. Um, um, the easy one, too, is the Rams' relocation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you could change that, that changes the complexion of the city. So that would be a couple that uh, come to mind right away. And I'm going to go with, actually, the football Cardinals' relocation. Yeah. Gene McNary yeah. had plans for a dome in Earth City where the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater is right now, and it got shot down by Civic Progress. And if we build that big red stadium and McNary was ready to rock and roll, we would have never lost the football Cardinals. And so that's one that... I really wish that our city leadership, even then, 40 years ago, I I wish that they would have been better, but they weren't and they still aren't. Those are really, really good ones. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit further because, Randy, you remember this. So we went to the Yogi Yogi Berra documentary that they had that they showed over at the Chase Park Plaza. Mm -hmm. And first of all, such a great documentary if you have time. It's on Netflix now, Mm -hmm. so you can go see it. It's so, so good. But there was one part that I didn't even realize that could have just really changed history, where he wanted $5,000 and the Cardinals only offered him $2,500. What if the Cardinals had signed Yogi Berra and he and Sam would have been together for 17 to 18 plus years, possibly? Tim McCarver told me a great story about Steve Carlton. And Steve Carlton was going back and forth over a little money contract negotiation. Steve Carlton was walking down the hall to sign the deal that would have kept him in St. Louis and wound up getting traded. He was walking down the hall, according to Tim McCarver, to sign the deal, to stay in St. Louis. And you think about how that would change the fortunes of the 1970s Cardinals. It would have been completely different. It would have. And what about also one of the more famous trades in NBA history? What if... The St. Louis Hawks kept Bill Russell. Oh, man. That would have changed, number one, our fortunes, right? Because we Mm -hmm. would have had the most dominant player in the league for years and and may have had the dynasty. But it also would have changed the Celtics dynasty. The Celtics wouldn't be what they are today unless the Hawks make that trade with uh, with the Celtics uh, for, for Bill Russell. It would have been awesome. I've got a couple of quick hockey ones, too. Number one. If the Blues don't get smoked in game one against Detroit in the first round of the 1996 playoffs and Jack Quinn and Mike Keenan don't pull the Gretzky offer off the table. Gretzky was, he had put his contract on a house here. He had bought Cardinal season tickets. He was all in on St. Louis. Wayne Gretzky was. And then 
Quinn and Keenan pulled the offer off the table. Just incomprehensible. Over one game, an emotional one game. But here's the other one, and Dan, you'll remember this. In the fall of 1991, for the during the 1991-92 hockey season, at KMOX, I interviewed Judge Edward Houston, who had awarded Scott Stevens to the Devils in exchange for Brendan Shanahan. He was a, a, an Ottawa judge, and he made the decision. And he told me, the judge that made the decision, the Blues had offered Curtis Joseph and Rod Brindamore, and they wanted New Jersey, Lou Lamorello, wanted a defenseman. And when the Blues offered Curtis Joseph, La Morello told Judge Houston, he said, look, I just drafted this goalie named Martin Brodeur in the first round. Right. I don't need a goalie. And I, I asked Judge Houston, I said, so if the Blues would have offered Paul Cavallini and Rod Brindamore, and he stopped me and he said, that's what I expected they would offer. I would have definitely given Cavallini and Brindamore to New Jersey had they, the Blues made that offer rather than Joseph Stevens and was awesome. And Stevens and Shanahan and that whole team, Holly, yes. uh, you... You would have never had to sign Mike Keenan. You would have never dreamed of signing. You would have won cups. Those three cups that Jersey got, St. Louis would have got. You think, let's put it this way, it would have helped. You -hmm. would have been in contention, for sure, to have a lockdown defenseman like that. It's easy to look at maybe something like the tuck rule with Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. Um, I got one just because I'm sentimental at times, but Scott Norwood. Uh-huh. Scott wide Norwood, ride. wide ride against the Giants, and they would go to four consecutive Super Bowls. They would never win. And remember by the end of, like, the third Super Bowl that the Bills went to, the rest of the country was like, enough. We're done mm-hmm. watching these guys. I yeah. don't want to watch them anymore. So I feel awful for Scott Norwood. I do, too. Another one that I was just thinking about, this one is a little bit more recent, but Alex Petrangelo, what if he would have stayed? Yeah, that would have changed the fortunes of the Blues and do the – Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup last year without Petro. Petro scored last night for the yeah. uh, Golden Knights. What yeah. about Tyus Edney against Missouri? Oh, man. Mm. Coast yeah. to coast on that Guard one. Guard the inbound. Guard <laughs> right. the inbound. <laughs> right. I've got a couple of other football ones. One, one of the things about Mr. Bidwell, Mr. Bidwell was an odd duck, okay? And when Don Coriel left, he really hated the idea of people getting scoops, getting information. And... One morning after the 1997 season, 1977 season, when uh, Don Coriel had left, there was a photo in the Globe Democrat of a big red interviewee getting off of a plane. And since the Globe Democrat had the story, the, the interview, according to legend, went practically nowhere because people would have known about this guy be interviewing with the, the football Cardinals. It was a picture of Bill Walsh getting off of the plane. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. If Bill Walsh winds up as the head coach oh, of the man. football Cardinals rather than Bill uh, Bud Wilkinson, what changes? Holy cow. And then another one, and th- you talk about changing history. The St. Louis Rams, after the 1999 season, during the playoffs, gave Mike Martz a contract that allowed him to become the head coach of the team when Dick Vermeil retired, whenever Dick Vermeil retired. The reason that the Rams gave that contract to Mike Martz is because another team was prepared to hire him as their head coach. That team was the New England Patriots. And what happens if Martz winds up as the head coach of the Patriots rather than Belichick? Dynasty still? (laughs) I don't think so. Armando Galarraga losing his perfect perfect game. game and seeing Jim Joyce the next day 
who was the umpire that messed up the call, who, by the way, I've, I've met him and talked with him. He is a wonderful man with tears in his eyes as they're exchanging the lineup card because he was the home plate umpire the next day, and Armando, Armando Galarraga brought out the Detroit lineup card. I yeah. just it, that whole scene was class, but you know what? He misses the perfect game. Yep. Awful. So uh, we were only supposed to do one here, and I've done like ten. <laughs> yeah, but let me give you one more. Okay. And this is a back in my day one in 1985. Mizzou recruited the number one player in the country, Tony Van Zandt, Tony Van Zandt back from Hazelwood Central. Who, by the way, just went into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. Good for him, well yep. deserved. But. Tony Van Zandt was playing in a high school all-star game right before camp was supposed to start for Mizzou in 1985, and he tore up his knee, and he was never the same. If Tony Van Zandt doesn't play in that game, it probably would have changed the entire fortune of Woody Widenhofer's career at Mizzou and all of those miserable 13 straight losing seasons. They would have stopped because Tony Van Zandt was Billy Sims. Mm. He was was Tony Brissett. He was was the best running back. He was a program change running back. He uh, was on the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame induction, and you're asked to go up and speak. I felt terrible for him, guys. He got up there and said, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm sorry. And I felt like saying, you shouldn't be sorry. You had nothing to do with it. Coming up at 9.15, I know that we're going to discuss this a little bit more, but I want you to tell the story, because we're getting texts about this, about Bill Self and what could have happened oh, yeah, we with can do him that. possibly yeah. being we'll, Mizzou's head coach. Absolutely. We'll do that. And then we want your mic drops. Just get to your 101 ESPN app. Use the mic drop feature. You can give us one item. If you could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? We'll take your mic drops and we'll use those coming up at 9.15. But coming up next, we're going to talk to Jamie Rivers about the Blues, who are off again today. Play the Islanders tomorrow. Rivs next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Brooke, Dan, and Randy, it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues play the Islanders tomorrow night, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And we'll have the call for you. The game will also be on Bally Sports with John Kelly and our colleague here at 101 ESPN, Jamie Rivers, former Islanders star, joining us now. Uh, Rivers, good morning. How are you doing? Good, Randy. I appreciate the uh, recognition for my long tenure in new york with the islanders hey 75 games most people don't play 75 games in the nhl let alone with one team (laughs) yeah that's a good point i guess well well played (laughs) thank you very much Uh, i wanted to talk to you about uh, patrick waugh to get things started because i think his coaching career in colorado was kind of underrated not off to the best start but what do you think that patrick waugh brings to the table for lula morello and the islanders well intensity for one thing, you know, intensity and that compete. I mean, Patrick Waugh, he doesn't like to lose at all. Mm-hmm. That mentality, you know, he, he had it obviously as a goalie, and that's what made him one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. And that's what he has as a coach, talking to people who, you know, have been around him as he's coached junior hockey, and he's won championships at the junior hockey level. And now, you know, being back in the NHL, number one thing for him is, the team has to compete, and there has to be intensity, and there has to be a will to win. So for me, that's the one thing that I think of right away when I think of Patrick Waugh. 
Well, Jamie, yesterday the big news coming out that Perunovic and Falk are still dealing with injuries, and that means that they will be bringing in Zachary Bullduke. What should we expect to see from Bullduke? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm not quite sure yet because, you know, he he profiles as an offensive player based upon his stats in junior hockey to where he had over 90 points one season, over 100 points another season. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is a, a school-scoring type player. But it hasn't been that way so far in the American Hockey League for him. In fact, you know, he's, I think he's only got 23 points so far this season. So it, it hasn't been like an offensive season for him. But I feel like the Blues are giving him a look because they want to see, you know, what he looks like in the NHL. What does he look like with top-notch players? What, what can he bring to the table? Because the Blues need some more scoring. Uh, you know, you can't just rely on three, four guys the whole season to try and carry your team. And so you got a guy like Zachary Bolduc who's sitting there. You might as well give him a look. You don't have access to Snuggerud yet. You don't really have access to Dvorsky. Zach Bolduc was a high draft pick of yours. I think Army wants to see what he has in this player, especially right now, right before the trade deadline. You know, hey. what, what do we acquire? What do we maybe think of acquiring? And you know, it gives him a chance to get a look at him. Jamie, the Blues need secondary scoring. You just mentioned that. It's only been, in my estimation, and watching you would know better, but it's been the top line in Jake Neighbors. You look at that uh, third line, it hasn't been great. Kasperi Kapanen hasn't been where, they, uh, been, been where they need him. Sammy Blay, probably the same thing. So give me a couple of names that we're not thinking about that could help in this stretch run as we head to the deadline on March 8th. Well, like a couple of names that are available out there? No, 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 no. On the Blues that could propel them here in secondary scoring outside of the top line and Jake Neighbors. Is there anybody that you're seeing that you go, you know what, he's starting to look a little bit better and maybe that's one of the players we can look to? Well, the guys that I'd like to see, Kapanen is certainly one of them. You know, he's, he's blessed with a ton of speed. He works really hard. He seems to create the offensive opportunities that are out there. He just has had no finish, which obviously that's the key to it all, is you have to be able to finish off the play. But I think that Kasperi Kapanen, if he was able to put a few pucks in, might get that confidence going and find the back of the net. And then another guy who, who's kind of sort of been scoring off and on, lukewarm at times, is Brandon Saad. I think that this is a guy you brought in you know, specifically because he's been a perennial 20-goal scorer. You need him to be that guy right now. You know, over the last handful of games, at times, Brandon Saad has been playing, you know, third and sometimes fourth-line minutes out there with no power play opportunity. And that, that's, not, that's not the best use of him. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing Drew Bannister right now. This, for me, is more on the player that the player hasn't forced the coaching staff to play him more. So I, I think that... The biggest difference right now is you're getting very little offense out of Kapanen, out of Blay, uh, and you're not getting a lot out of Brandon Saad, Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes hasn't scored in a long time. If one or two of those guys can just change their games just a, just a bit and start to get on the board just every so often, even if, even if they're creating goals, not even scoring them, that changes a lot for the Blues. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Snuggerud, and Minnesota has not had the best year, and they could they play their last couple of games this weekend against Michigan, and they could get knocked out of the NCAA tournament relatively early. Do you think that we'll see Snuggerud at the NHL level this year if Minnesota does get knocked out? 
I'm not sure. Uh, and the reason being is because, and Cardinals fans will love this one, because, you know, you start the clock on the contract. <laughs> and, and um, you know, uh, that's the difficult part. I think you, if anything, I think you'll see him at the American Hockey League level. I think they'll want him to go to the American League and just play with some men and, and play as, as long as possible with them. If they make the playoffs, great. If they go on a playoff run. And then I think that the team focuses on Jimmy Snuggeru being a part of things maybe next year, depending on how he looks at training camp and things like that. Because obviously, Randy, as you know, you can be as good as you as anybody at college or junior. When you make that jump to the NHL, it's a different game. And sometimes it takes some of these younger guys a little bit to find their game within that group. So I'm thinking about the trade deadline on March 8th, and if I'm Army, I don't know what kind of team I got. It's inconsistent. I don't want to give up the future. I don't want to sit there and say, well, we're just going to all of a sudden cast off all these players and not give us a chance. you think I'm looking at it the right way, Jamie? Yeah, I'm not touching a thing. If I'm Army, I'm looking at this team going, look, you guys have been up and down and all around all season long, and you find yourselves right there in the mix. Um, I, I think I'm going to ride it out with this team because if I, a couple things, if I start trading off pieces and the team then misses the playoffs, I don't know. For me, I would feel like I've denied my team an opportunity to make the playoffs by trading away pieces that could help us. I also feel for me personally, I'd feel like the fan base deserves at least a playoff series. And also my ownership probably wouldn't mind the dollars from a playoff series as well. So why not ride it out with the guys we have and hopefully make the playoffs? As far as trading people off, <clears throat> I said this a couple of times. What are you getting in return? Like, honestly, the guys that you could trade to get something back, they all have no trade clauses. So there's no guarantee that you'll be able to trade those players. And the, the players that are unrestricted free agents that, you know, like last year's situation, well, trade them off for draft picks. Okay, what's the highest draft pick you're really going to get with your UFAs? A third rounder? The highest, you know, like it doesn't really equate to uh, you know a, an organizational transforming player coming through that draft at some point. So for me, I, I've said it several times: the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I would just ride it out with this group and see what happens. And Rivs, one other part of this is that you do still need players to play. So now with Justin Falk on long-term injured reserve, it appears he's going to be out for a while, that might reduce your desire to move a guy like Scandella because you need bodies to, to play defense. Yeah, you're right. And it really isn't a crap injury because Justin Falk's a big part of this defensive core and the team overall. And you got Matthew Kessel, who's come up and played great. you got Callie Rosen, who has played solid. But, yeah, you start trading off more pieces, and it totally affects everything. And, in fact, it can affect the development of your young defenseman like Matthew Kessel. He's playing alongside Tory Krug right now. They have played very well together for almost the entire time he's been up. Now, all of a sudden, let's say you trade a Tory Krug and a Marco Scandella. Now what's left in your defensive core? Matthew Kessel now becomes a main cog. He becomes defenseman number three and a lot of pressure on him. And maybe that changes things. So I think that there's something to be said for these guys continuing to develop alongside current NHL players that can help them. And we got those guys on the fence right now, and I wouldn't touch anything. What do you think Pavel Buchnevich would get you 
and, and the appetite that uh, some teams may have for him. He hasn't been good lately, but what do you think the appetite would be for opposing teams to look at Buchnevich? Uh Well, contenders would love him because he would solidify any team. Pick any team that's a contender in the NHL right now. You had Pavel Buchnevich and their chances just got better. And it's simply because he's an all-around player. He plays penalty kill, power play, you know, play with the goalie, pulled either way. He can play physical. He's smart. So he's a, he's a great piece to add. Now, as far as what your return would be on that, I think you could get a first-rounder for Pavel Buchnevich. I think you can get maybe a prospect at the same time. And it all depends on, you know, crunch time. Danny, you know, it's like, you come down to the trade deadline, you might have two or three teams that are interested. Then you might have two teams that are really interested. And now the offers start, and some teams will start to offer up stupid stuff. And those are the ones you're hoping for. And so Army will be patient to wait and see, you know, who ends up offering the most. And then he'll have a decision to make, whether he trades Pavel Buchnevich because it helps his team in the near future with draft picks or young players, or whether he wants to take a run at re-signing Pavel Buchnevich because – he sees him as a piece of the puzzle for this team a few years down the road. Yeah, teams get desperate. And the other thing, too, is that you maybe as an opposing team feel like all of a sudden I get a jump out of this guy. Change of scenery. He's in the uh, the playoffs. He knows he's going to be with a contender. And I would assume some teams look at it that way, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, anytime uh, that a team can acquire a player from another team that maybe is not going to make the playoffs or – certainly is not going to make the playoffs one way or the other. There's a bit of a bump there. Player's excited. He's going to a new team, has an opportunity to win more games. And especially if he goes to a contending team, now that player starts to think about deep playoff runs. And, uh, you know, you'd be crazy to think that players don't think about maybe even uh, the, the possibility of you know, sipping champagne out of the cup at times. So it can really reinvigorate a player. Jamie Rivers, you're the man. We appreciate it. We will hear you this afternoon at two on the on the uh, the fast lane. Have a, a great day and enjoy the the nice weather outside. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, and I will. We'll see you later. That's Jamie Rivers. Who, by the way, is, he'll, he's super prepared for the show, so he'll be here at noon. So he's not going to get a ton of time to spend outside. But no, he's, but at least there's a window over there next to him in the office. That's a good thing. Yeah, can't open it, but at least he can look outside. <laughs> he will be super prepared. That he, whole show usually gets here at about 1030. Yeah. And they start oh. show prep and away they go. Yeah, they do. I think you might be thinking of the uh, the BK and BK Ferrari. Ferrari. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Coming up next, we've got the fight. Do you need a fighter, Matthew? Yep. Well, Randy, Tim didn't go into the Hall of Fame yesterday, so yeah, we need a fighter. Okay, we need a fighter for the fight, and if you would like to participate, text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO, with your name and the word fight, and perhaps you will fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Drive Brooke, Dan, and Randy here, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Adam. Adam, how are you doing? How are you guys? We're doing good. This, is this your first time facing Randy in the fight? First time, yes. Nervous, excited, <laughs> scared, excited. 
excited. Any words yeah. of advice for him, Dan? Well, I can just tell in his voice he's excited. So I'm ready to go. You're ready to go with question one. Yep. All right, Adam. Question number one. Which Cardinals legend has his number retired despite the fact that he played before the Cardinals players had numbers on their jerseys? Is it Dizzy Dean, Tip O'Neill, or Rogers Hornsby? Boy, let's go Hornsby. All right, question two. The St. Louis Blues made it to the Western Conference Finals in 2016. What team did they lose against? Was it the L.A. Kings, the Colorado Avalanche, or the San Jose Sharks? It was the Sharks, I believe. All right. Adam, I see that you're playing with a lot of confidence, and you should be. Question three, please. Six World Series winning teams have come back from a 3-1 to series deficit. Who did it most recently? Was it the Royals, the Red Sox, or the Cubs? Hmm. Let's go with the Cubs. All right. Question four. There are four players who have caught a Super Bowl touchdown for two different teams. But which 21st century wide receiver is the only one to lose both Super Bowls? Was it Dion Branch, Mushin Muhammad, or Emmanuel Sanders? Let's go Emmanuel Sanders. All right. Final answer? Yes. All right, let's go uh, bring in Randy. How do you feel that you did, Adam? I feel okay. Yeah? Not great. Even against a guy like Megamind, you feel okay? I like that. I like the confidence. That's what we need this morning. <laughs> confidence is key. Oh, here comes Randy. Randy, say hi to Adam. Adam, good morning. How you doing? Randy, I'm great. Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy. You ready for question number one? I'm ready. Which Cardinals legend has his number retired despite the fact that he played before Cardinals players had numbers on their jerseys? I am going to go, I think, with Rogers Hornsby. Rogers Hornsby is who I'll go with. Final answer? Yes, sir. All right, question two. The Blues lost in the Western Conference Finals in 2016. Who beat them? Uh, that would have been the San Jose Sharks in 2016, Western Conference Finals. Game five or six uh, out there. Lost in San Jose. David Backus's last game with the Blues. San Jose Sharks. Six World Series winning teams have come back from a 3-1 to one series deficit. Who did it most recently? Well, the Cubs did it in 2016. Uh, let's see. Did uh, we have somebody subsequently do that? In the last few years, uh, 2017, uh, I don't even remember who won the World Series. 2018 was the Red Sox. They didn't have to do it. 2019 was the Nationals. They didn't have to do it. 2020 was Doyers. They didn't have to do it. 21, uh, Braves, no, 22. I'm going to go back, even though I don't remember who won the 2017 World Series. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Um, but uh, I'm going to go with the, the Cubs in 2016. Question four, there are four players who have caught a Super Bowl touchdown for two different teams, but which 21st century wide receiver is the only one to lose both Super Bowls? 21st century wide receiver Mm -hmm. that uh, caught a couple of Super Bowl TDs, but the wide receiver is the only one to lose both Super Bowls. Well, Ricky Prohl definitely did that, right? He did it for the Rams. And he also did it for the Panthers against the Patriots. So I'm going to go with Ricky Prohl. Uh, okay. 
we may have a winner because I think Randy, even though the options were not given mm-hmm. with uh, Ricky, but uh, I'll leave it up to Rock to see what he wants to do here. 2001 Rams against the Patriots, 2003 Panthers against the Patriots. Yes, you are correct on that one. I was going through it and I saw, I was like, Ricky Pro won a Super Bowl, but he didn't catch the, the, the touchdown in the Super Bowl. He was right, which is, I'm. Wires got crossed on that one. So you are correct on that one. The uh, listener, Adam, did not get that one correct, So he, but he did not have Ricky Pearl as an option. I was going for Moose and Muhammad, who played for the Bears and the Panthers on that one. He did not have the okay. Ricky Pearl option. You got that one right. He did have Moose and Muhammad as an option, didn't get that one correct. And so because there was two options available, there was a correct option available, which he did not get, and you pulled the correct option just completely out of your hat there. I'm going to go... Uh, go crazy, folks! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by CarShield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit CarShield.com today. And, and you know what? The fans could rightfully... We, we might we, we might just have Adam on again tomorrow because he might he might deserve another chance. I'm not saying he does, he doesn't deserve a win on this one. I'm saying he might deserve another chance tomorrow because the last question slight little stipulation out of play because again Ricky Pearl did win a Super Bowl but he didn't catch the, the touchdown in mm-hmm. the Super Bowl that he won with the Rams. He also did catch one with the Panthers and did lose that one. So let's go through the questions and the answers there. Which Cardinals legend has his number retired? It is in fact Rogers Hornsby. The Blues <laughs> lost in the 2016 Weapons Conference Finals to the San Jose Sharks. It is six World Series winning teams that have come back. For a 3-1 series deficit. The 2020 Dodgers had to come back from a 3-1 series deficit in the NLCS, but not in the World Series. This is, in fact, the Cubs over the Indians. Back in 2016, the 17 World Series, by the way, was the Astros over oh, the yeah, that's Dodgers. Right, it. That whole thing. And then the number four, there are four players who have caught a Super Bowl TD for two different teams. It's uh, Jerry Rice, Rob Gronkowski, Ricky Prohl, and Moosin Muhammad, of course. Like I said, the Super Bowl loss for Ricky Prohl and the win for Ricky Prohl threw me off on that one. So Ricky Prohl is a correct answer. Moosin Muhammad is also a correct answer, and Unfortunately, Adam did say Emmanuel Sanders on that question. So I'll leave it up to, to the day on this one, whether or not Adam gets another chance. But I'm definitely not going to give him a win on today. I'm, I'm good with uh, justice for Adam. Let's go. Okay, justice yeah. for Adam. Adam, I apologize. That's on me. We'll join you. We'll talk to you on the fight tomorrow. Will you get a reset as you go for your first win? It sounds good. Thank you very All much, right. Adam. Thank you. I'm well, still trying to catch up on the first question. <laughs> Roger Hornsby? <laughs> yeah, I got them all. But uh, I did not have Ricky Pro. No. Yeah. So there was a lot of things going on can in you, that fight. Can you read that? <laughs> just read the wording for that question again, please. So there are four players mm-hmm. who have caught a Super Bowl touchdown for two different teams. Uh-huh. Which 21st century wide receiver is the only one to lose both Super Bowls? It does. Okay. Yeah, in so which, it connects okay. the touchdowns to the Super Bowl. So that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's 100% yeah. my mistake. I, I saw St. Louis and Carolina, and I was like, well, he won Super Bowl with St. Louis, so mm. he's not, he, doesn't, he doesn't qualify in this little trivia question, and that's 100% my mistake. I apologize to Adam. All right, no worries. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, college football has approved their new college football playoff format, but is that 5-7 plan the best way to go? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, 
college football has announced a new college football playoff plan. Now, in most years, the 5-7 format, it's the five conference champions, champions and the seven next highest ranked teams. In most years, the format will assure the conference champions from the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC a spot in the playoff, along with the highest-ranked Group of Five conference champion. The college football playoff intentionally won't refer to the Group of Five in its description of the format, though, because there's a chance that a champion from one of the Power Four conferences finished re- finishes ranked below the top champion from the American Athletic, Conference USA, Mountain West, Sun Belt, or Mid-American. The problem that college football has right now is they have a Pac-12 that's a Pac-2. And uh, so they're they're going to allow right now that champion at the moment, and that this is all going to come to fruition at some point. But the the Pac-12 is causing problems because they're a power five, but they really aren't a power five. My reaction to this was congratulations to the SEC and Big Ten because they're about to dominate this new format. Isn't that what you guys thought? Yeah, absolutely. I, I also think the middle man are the. Uh, Low man on the totem pole gets X'd out of this. Like, what do you say to Liberty if they would have gone undefeated this year, but they're not ranked in the top 12? I'm also curious, guys, what happens to Notre Dame? Yes. Not affiliated with a conference, so where do they fall in this? They just have to be ranked in the top 12. Yeah. So even, say theoretically, that Notre Dame finishes as the number one team in the country, they can only be seated at the highest as the fifth seed. Then they'll have to win four straight games to get into the national championship or to get the national championship. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And I've read some things on this where it's like a two-year deal with this in kind of a feeling out process. And then after the two years are up, they can reassess how this has worked. But to your point, Brooke, it's got SEC and Big Ten written all over it. And and maybe that's the right way to do it. I mean, you're expanding. It's billions of dollars in the TV contract. But you're expanding the playoff, which will take you into mid-January going up against the NFL. So if you love football, you're going to get plenty of it in January with high-stakes games. And the reality of the situation is this will be more like the NFL playoffs, and the the one-and-done allows for the upset here or there. Now, the, the problem, as Brooke, you mentioned, is going to be for a Notre Dame or anybody that doesn't finish in the top four. It's going to have to win four games. You better, especially if you are an SEC team or a Big Ten team that doesn't win the conference, you better have a lot of depth, and you better be a really good football team. Don't they also have to make sure that they get the ranking system really correct with this as well? Absolutely. I I still think, though, that the big – look, let's be honest here. The big teams that are going to be a part of this in the top 12 more than likely are going to come from the SEC, and they're going to come from the Big Ten. Yeah. Out of the 12, wouldn't you think that eight will come from the SEC and Big Ten? Absolutely. At least – I yeah. mean, at least I think. The, what did the SEC finish in the top twenty-five this year? They had what seven teams, something like that. Mm-hmm. Six teams, and of next year's preseason top twenty-five, they have ten of them. The there SEC you go. does. Yeah. So you're going to see plenty of the SEC. You're going to see plenty of the Big Ten, and I'm I'm fine with that. Now, if you're the Big Twelve, if you don't like it, you just got to play better. Now, but what do you have now? You've you've got Arizona, Arizona State. You've got. Uh, Colorado. Colorado and who else came over? For, whoever it was that came over from the, the Pac-12. But then you've got Baylor and you've got Texas Tech. You've got Kansas, State. Kansas State. Oklahoma State. The reality of the situation is when you look at the Big 12, how would the best, now that Texas and Oklahoma are gone, how would the best Big 12 
program compete on an annual basis in the SEC or the Big Ten. And they got blown out by Texas this mm-hmm. year in their conference championship game, talking about Oklahoma State. I just think you're still going to have the big teams in it, and when we get down to it, a lot of people won't care anyway. It'll be whoever's 13 will go, oh, we deserve to be top 12. But, you know, for the majority, if you got 12 teams, you're probably going to figure out mm-hmm. the 12 best teams in the country. And this is good for Mizzou right now because mm-hmm. last year, if they would have had the yep. 12-team format, Mizzou would have been in it. And Eli Drinkwitz has to just has to maintain. But I've always thought that if you had a 12-team playoff, somebody's going to complain. The 13th team is going to be complaining about not being in the top 12. If you're the number 13 team, what realistically is your chance to win the national championship in a playoff be anyway? Slim to none. Yeah. So basically, you you don't want to finish in the rankings anywhere below fifth in the seeding and fifth in the rankings. That's not what you're wanting to do. I just think it's really interesting because the Big Ten commissioner, he was wanting more of the 16-team playoff format. And then also Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, he's mentioned on numerous occasions that he wants a world with no automatic berths at all. My guess would be, just off the top of my head, you're going to have a minimum of six from the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, They'll have half the teams. And I do believe, all due respect to Greg Sankey, who's done a magnificent job. He's been awesome. There, there should be a real reward for the Big 12 and the ACC champions to win their leagues. That It's college football. It, it's not just the SEC and the Big 10. If Clemson wins their conference in some of the years that they had under Dabo, they should, they should be in the hunt and they should yep. be a top seed. What Same thing for a great Big 12 team. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, would this push Notre Dame to get affiliated with a conference to have it a better sure. shot to get in the top 12? Yeah, and especially if it's the ACC, because they, with all due respect to what Clemson did five years ago, really Notre Dame should win with, with their resources. They should win the ACC every year. The problem is, though. The TV contract. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They've got their own TV deal. Yep. And that, that those resources, all of a sudden, you have to share them. And, yeah. and, uh, I don't know what happens. With, uh, I can't imagine them going anywhere but independent because NBC wants them, Notre Dame, as much as Notre Dame wants the uh, uh, NBC. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So ultimately, I'm happy with the 5-7 format because I believe the best team in the country is going to have an opportunity. Might not win the championship, but it is going to be given an opportunity. Last year, we could reasonably say that the best team in the country was not given an opportunity to win. But there will always be controversy because mm-hmm. the committees, of course, will still be involved with this. I think that maybe some people were thinking that this would kind of take it out of the committee's hands a little bit more, but they're still going to be heavily involved on deciding the ranking system with this. You're right, but we aren't going to have a Georgia left out. We of aren't going to have the best team yeah. left out when we have a 12-team playoff. And that's, to me, the biggest thing that they needed to have. Mm-hmm. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Interesting comments last night from the Mizzou head basketball coach, uh, Dennis Gates, who's none too happy with the way his team is performing. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset.
It's 9.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Danny Mack. I'm Randy Carricker. We're going to be taking your mic drops coming up at 9.15. If you could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? Get your phone, go to the 101 ESPN app and tell us. If you could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? Last night, CONCACAF Champions Cup opener, St. Louis City SC over Houston Dynamo. 2-1 was the final. The winner in the 90th minute by Jose Kajima, the newcomer who was just signed yesterday. Uh, that away, Jose. <laughs> I love the call, too, that Joey had where he said, no way, Jose, after <laughs> that one. I mean, what a timeline. We discussed this earlier, but we just have to run through this again because it's just absolutely crazy. Signed with City SC, as you mentioned, Randy, that morning, and then makes his MLS debut, subbing into the game at the 86th minute, and then he scores his first MLS goal and match winner at the 90th minute, a dagger, of course, it was a big mm-hmm. moment there to help City SC win their first CONCACAF championship match. That was just such a special moment to see play out in that way. It was very cool. And now City will travel to Houston for the second leg of the first round. And they'll have a 2-1 league going in. The first tiebreaker is away goal. So City just needs to avoid a one nothing Houston result to advance to the next round. And they'll open the MLS season at City Park on Saturday versus Real Salt Lake. And Tim Parker. Continuing. Oh, TP. He's and I asked the first this goal. earlier. I think that, and you know, Dan, you're right about this. Not legendary status just yet, but maybe possibly a St. Louis sports legend being born just because of everything that he's done so far to really help this City SC history being made. Not sure about a legend. Legend, I, legend-ish. Legend legendary moments. Yes. Legendary moments. You know, he, had, he scores the uh, first goal in three Major games for the franchise. It was the first ever game, the playoff game, and then last night. Not too bad to put on the resume. And as you said, Randy, that might be a uh, answer to a fight question because I know you love soccer, <laughs> you love the WNBA, and you love racing. Somebody will. <laughs> somebody else will be doing the fight in ten years, and that becomes <laughs> a question. Uh, college basketball last night, tough one for the schools in our area. St. Louis U falls to Duquesne, eighty-one to sixty-six. Uh, in Pittsburgh. And number five, Tennessee, takes care of Mizzou, 72-67. The game was never that close. Mizzou, uh, well, they, they had a chance. Well, it was, what, 46-46 yeah. with twelve oh eight left, and Mizzou then Tennessee kind of pulled away. This was up by nine at, at you know, like, at the 16-minute mark of the second half. So, I mean, it, I, you all, you knew what was coming if yeah. you were a Mizzou fan watching the game because yeah. you're a Mizzou fan and it's this, it's this year's team. So and, you knew what was inevitable. And you wonder if Coach Dennis Gates knew what was coming, too. The big picture of it all was our inability. We got to do a better job. We got to do a better job drawing fouls. I think we suck at it. We're terrible. We're terrible at drawing fouls, and we got to do a better job. Can y'all write all that in there, right? Y'all can write that in there, right? Make sure you don't bleep that out. Sorry, Coach. Had to bleep it out so that we could keep our license. But you, <laughs> you, you could have said freaking, and it would have had the same effect. Yep. You know, that's as animated in a post game that I've heard him. So frustration is definitely hit with the Mizzou basketball team. They only drew, by the way, 17 fouls in the game. Yeah. That was it. And I get it. I mean, he, he could very easily go winless in the SEC conference play. Arkansas, Florida, Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU left. They will be the underdogs in all those games. And you wonder, you know, it was like 47-47, Rock, I think that's right, at one point. But they 
decent to better teams at home figure out ways to win, and they're just not good enough to do that. And, and also and, the depth. Sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the depth that Tennessee has. You knew they were going to be able to come back. Yeah, I was just going to point out, from that um, from that 46-46 tie, over the next six minutes, I think it was, um, Tennessee would go 7-for-7 seven seven from the line, and Mizzou would not get a foul called against them. So there you so go. So like that's, that's when things started changing, and that's exactly what happened is they couldn't draw fouls, and they were fouling Tennessee like crazy. Meanwhile, the Cardinals will start spring training, Grapefruit League action on Saturday down in Florida, and they'll play split squads, and they'll have two young left-handers, one in each game. They'll have Zach Thompson starting one game and Matthew Libertor starting another as they build what will hopefully be a competition for a sixth starter spot until Steven Matz gets hurt. I think that's the right thing to... Whoa, 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 back it up. Until you... What did you just say? Because <laughs> I was agreeing with you until I heard the Steven Matz part. Until First of all, Randy, come on. This this will be a fully healthy season for Steven Matz. We are going to wish oh. for that. We are hoping for that. Put it in We're going to put the good vibes into the universe like that it's it? going to be a fully healthy season for Steven Matz. But I do like the idea of starting the season with a six-man six rotation just because of how daunting the schedule is early on. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm interested to see how this competition goes between Zach Thompson and Matthew Libertor because I do like Zach Thompson as your sixth starter but are they going to go with Matthew Libertor possibly if they do do this just because he can be more of a swingman option? Talked about it earlier. There's just not a lot of competition, at least on the surface, and what they've got. They've got their one through nine. They've got a starting rotation. you got bullpen starts uh, potentially coming out of this with Libertor and Thompson, who probably will go, oh, I'd say 20, 25 pitches or if they can get two innings under their belt. But they're going to be pushed this spring to see what they got. Yeah, and – it's nice to know that they've got that sort of depth, right? That they can have this competition. Now, they, they've thought they've had this sort of depth in the past. Hopefully, this will be quality. It's one thing to it's have depth. quality depth. Yeah, quality depth. That's one right. One thing to have depth and one thing to have quality depth. So, hopefully, the abilities of people like Libertor and Zach Thompson will step to the fore and we'll get what we reasonably expect out of the the seasoned starting pitchers that they signed. See, I'm with Brooke. I like Zach Thompson. I've liked him since he got called up. I know he had a rough stretch there last year. And would he start? Would he be in the bullpen? Just let him start. Mm-hmm. Let Stretch him out and let the competition play out. And both need to be stretched out because, to your point, Randy, the depth has got to come from the starter's role in the minor leagues if somebody gets hurt you know, or ineffective. That's the other thing to look mm-hmm. at, too. And the bullpen's going to, either way, the bullpen's going to be used heavily because that's just the way the Cardinals roll. All right, that's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we talked earlier about our ideas of if you could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? And we want to hear from you. Your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. Your texts to the Air Comfort Service sex line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. We want to hear your changes in, an, uh, in a sports outcome next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One item that if we could change one outcome in the history of sports, what would it be? My number one is the uh, 
powers that be in St. Louis back in the late 80s, 1986, 87, allowing Gene McNary to build the Dome Stadium to keep the football Cardinals in St. Louis. That's my one. That's my top one. Uh, I, I had like a top two because they were kind of throwbacks, but just thinking about the more famous trade in NBA history, one of the most famous trades in NBA history, what if the St. Louis Hawks didn't trade Bill Russell to the Celtics? Imagine what that would have played out. Also, what if the Cardinals had signed Yogi Berra? You would have Yogi Berra and Stan the Man for such a long time together. Not that the Cardinals already don't have such a rich history, but mm-hmm. could you imagine having that together? Amazing. I would go uh, Don Dinkager, 1985, blown call at first base. The picture, I can see it vividly. Mm-hmm. The Todd Worrell catch, foot on the bag. That's an out, man. <laughs> what are the rules? <laughs> Let's get a mic drop from Adam, who joins us here on 101 ESPN. What if Kiprios doesn't take out Fuhr? What if John Casey is able to stop that Iserman shot? What if Bill Self doesn't leave Illinois for Kansas? What if Coach Majerus has more time with SLU? All, all very great good ones. Those yeah. are really good. A lot of people think that if Majerus would have lived for another year coaching SLU, that they would be in the Big East right now. I, I wonder how far they would have gone with the group of kids that he had coming back. I mean, a lot of underclassmen that were very good, got a lot of playing time, and they were so well coached, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is interesting. It, it's interesting to think what might have happened. Yeah. What could have been? Bill Self, that one? What Bill do you think Self would have happened? and Quinn Snyder are both in a Kansas City airport hotel mm-hmm. in 2000, and Mike Alden goes down and asks Bill Self if – Offered the job, would he take it? And Self said, well, I got to go talk to my kids at Tulsa first. And 45 minutes later, Alden comes back and says, we gave the job to Quinn Snyder. So what if they do? What, what if Self says, yeah, I'll take the job. How different would the fortunes of Mizzou basketball been and the fortunes of, of KU basketball been? Sure. Would have changed everything. Yeah. Another uh, mic drop. Let's get to Sam here on 101 ESPN. Um, the outcome I would change probably has to be the most devastating sports moment of my entire life and uh, probably the most devastating sports moment in the history of Mizzou lost to Norfolk State you know you change the outcome of that that team was good enough who knows they could have gone on a run I think you got to get in line with some tough Mizzou ones mm-hmm. uh, Richmond, yeah. Richmond yeah. and that one yeah. Th- those all come to mind right now that's not even the toughest one within a span of like seven years the BC <laughs> the, the the loss to Oklahoma in the big 12 championship game is the number one or number two 21st century loss for Mizzou sporting program you beat Oklahoma you play in a BCS national title game even if you don't win that mm-hmm. game you play in a BCS national title game if you win that game Great that's point. a first round loss a lot of things can happen in the tournament there it's either Oklahoma or Auburn because those are yeah. title game births yeah. at, at, at at the breath yeah. there for Missouri you know one that we keep getting in as what about if Jordan Bennington didn't get hurt against Colorado? He also, was, the bubble team too. What what mm-hmm. happens with the Blues who had to play in the mm-hmm. bubble? They were playing so well prior mm-hmm. to COVID hitting. Do they go back to back? Right. And let's go back to Adam because a lot of people believe, and I'm one of them, that if Fewer doesn't get hurt, that team, that Blues team probably wins the Stanley. Cup. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and Casey, man, that was I, I blamed John Casey for a long time, and then during COVID, NHL Network was showing that game. Man, that was a good shot by Eiserman. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Right, I mean, right over the shoulder. Nobody could have stopped that. Uh, let's get to Richard next on 101 ESPN. The one thing I definitely would have changed in sports history would have been the Malcolm Butler interception at the goal line. Uh, Seattle should have gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch. He's an absolute train, absolute beast. 
Uh, that's a huge mistake by P. Carroll. And if that happens, then all of a sudden Brady and Belichick's luster dims a little bit because they could have lost a lot of Super Bowls. They could have lost the one against the Rams. They could have lost the one against the Panthers. They, uh, there was another one that was close in addition to, well, the, the Atlanta 28-3, right? Uh, so, yeah, that the Malcolm Butler interception and the call by Seattle definitely would have changed the course of history. You were talking about Mizzou. What about the five-down game? <laughs> yeah. Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> and Bob Stoll had things going there. Yep. They were ready to take off. Colorado wound up winning the national championship. Against Notre Dame that year. Yep. And it wasn't, by the way, and Dan, you'll remember this, it wasn't just the fact that they gave them the fifth down, but Charles Johnson didn't score on fifth down either. He, his knee hit. Yeah. He was short of the goal line. If you had instant replay, you would have had him short of the goal line, and that was it. Yeah. But even the markers had it wrong. When they looked over at the markers... It, it, some of those were wrong, I believe, as they looked over to the sideline to say what down it was. Yeah, it's just incredible. Uh, let's get to a few more tech, uh, texts. The, the double doink for Bears fans, yeah. No. Uh, no. Against the Eagles. And a chip shot, easy field goal. I've Go got through. a good one for Cardinal fans. Mm-hmm. Nelson Cruz making a catch in right field. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I have another one for you. How about Oz Hakeem's drop in New Orleans, mm. the, the, the fumbled punt? The Rams had been, uh, uh, they had outscored New Orleans in the fourth quarter of that game. I think they'd, out, they'd scored four touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns in that fourth quarter to get within 31-28. And if Oz catches that punt, their offense was so hot, there's no doubt they would have scored and won the game. What about this one from the 3-4, and four, Michael Porter Jr., if he didn't get injured. Mm-hmm. Well, as Matthew pointed out, Matthew, you want to point this out on, on Mike here? Yeah, which injury are you taking away? Because you got like <laughs> nine other to sift through for him to still actually get on the floor. How about... Take uh, them all away. Yeah, right. Okay. An easy one on a national level, but Bill, Buck- Bill Buckner. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... Or Bucky Dent's home run, mm-hmm. you know, against the uh, Red Sox. Yeah. Buckner, an easy play, though, right? And that the game was tied, and that won it, but... Things were falling apart, but man, yeah, if Buckner doesn't have that ball go through his legs, then all of a sudden that game goes extra innings, and you never know what's going to happen. Christian Lehner against Kentucky. Yeah, what a play. Yep, that's the other one, the catch. I just thought of one that might change like American culture as we know it for Mm -hmm. the last two decades. What if Len Bias doesn't pass away? And what if he's Jordan instead of Jordan? What if, like, what if that's the run that happens from the late 80s through the 90s is Len Bias and like the Celtics and not Jordan and the Bulls? How different is everything we're doing right now yeah he was thought to be that good that he he could have lived up to that level when he passed away in 1986 for brooke it must have been tough it must have been tough to interview mike jones the other day you being a tennessee fan so the tackle would come to mind yeah that's on the other side of it yeah yeah that there's definitely another side of it you know honestly the first time that i met mike jones is when he was still coaching over at slu so nice Mm -hmm. it was just to me i don't have any hard feelings about it because It was just such a special moment being able to watch the greatest show on turf and the Music City Miracle. I talk about it all the time. That was just, that was the whole reason I got into sports other than playing tennis is just watching those two great, fantastic football teams. So everything happens for a reason. What about Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson? That changed the course of history, didn't it? Yeah, I loved watching Mike Tyson. I watched that and I was like, are you kidding me? But Buster Mm -hmm. Douglas with the uh, upset maybe of all time in boxing. 
Buster Douglas against Mike Tyson in his prime? Yeah. I wonder who had money on Buster Douglas. There. Ooh, you're, you're getting a little conspiracy <laughs> theory here, Randall. Yeah. But yeah, M- Mike Tyson went from being a guy who was going to be acclaimed as the greatest of all time to a guy who, he's not considered just a guy, but he's considered a flash in the pan. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess so. He he was so intriguing to watch, though, because of his power, his size, Customato, where he came from. Um, apparently, he did not train well for that fight, and that's what mm-hmm. cost him. So that would be one I look at. One, And I don't know how this would have worked out because of the way he performed at the major league level. But uh, one of the tragic ones is what, what if Oscar Tavares had never passed away? Yeah. What about Daryl Kyle? Oh yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that's another. You were tra- you were starting Travis Smith in games when Daryl Kyle passed away. Right. I mean that team was really good. You had to get out. You had to go get Chuck Finley. You had to bring back Andy Bennis. There was a lot of things that uh, happened with that. We got a couple of texts. People who didn't pass away, but still kind of in that same ish line of thinking. What about if the Cardinals would have kept Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be different. It would yeah. be very different. <laughs> You'd have some yeah. pitching. Well, I, I wonder if those guys would have been able to be developed here as they were in Miami and Arizona. I think so. Uh, they were still coming into their own at that mm-hmm. time. So I, I do think that. Um, I had something here. What if Trent Green doesn't get hurt? Yeah. What, what happens to the fortunes of Trent and Kurt Warner? And more importantly, Kurt Warner. Do yeah. we ever he- have the Kurt Warner story? And everybody around that team still says that if Trent doesn't get hurt, he was just so good. They're convinced that that team would have won the Super Bowl anyway. How about Steve Bartman? Yeah, changed his life. I feel awful for him. Me too. Yeah, he's just he's never been able to go out in public. I think the Cubs offered to give him a ring or something like that, and uh, he tried to get him back to the ballpark too. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Yeah, he said no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm not touching. I'm not going back in that park. Get out of here. There's a lot of good ones that are coming in on the uh, text line. Very quickly. I like this one, the 314. What if Bo Jackson never gets hurt? Mm. Yeah, and it didn't look serious either. And there was a hip injury, and you, you watch him after that. He didn't run the same. He wasn't the same player, but, man, was he fun to watch. Oh, my gosh. He was so fun to watch. And I just he just all he cared about was just playing. He didn't care about any of the optics, the media, the flashiness. He just wanted to go mm-hmm. out there and play. Have you seen what he does now? He just hangs out. Yeah, he's got to go he pretty just, good. Yeah, he just he you know just does whatever he wants. I think I saw this video where he was at a game, an Auburn game, like the other day, and a fan tried to come up and talk to him, and he was like, "Watch the game!" Like he just wants <laughs> yeah. to live his life. <laughs> That's great, uh, Matthew. You you gave us a oh yeah, I kind of like this one. It, it, I don't know if this counts, but what if steroids like never comes to life? <laughs> never. Wow. That is, that is where would baseball a, be right now? You do have a steroid era. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it would be it would make a significant dent in the game for that time period, for yeah. sure. And what if Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire never take them? How do many we, MVPs, Randy, for Bonds? Seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. And, but does Roger Maris's record ever get beat? 61 I'd say no. I, I agree with that. I'd say no. Yeah. Uh, the, the steroid era changed baseball fundamentally yep. at, at its core and, and changed the numbers that we all knew, and whether it was 755 or whether it was 62. Question for you guys. And I'm, of course, not advocating for steroid use here. I want to make sure I say this beforehand. <laughs> but is, was it almost kind of a good thing because of how much attention it brought to baseball at that time? Well, they always say it brought the game back. Yes. You're, you're on the heels of the strike, and you needed people to get back and interested in the game, come to the ballpark. So in that regard, I, Brooke, I think it did. I, I do think that 
generally speaking, it helped the sport. Now we all have thoughts on it now that of in course. retrospect, but yeah, in the moment, man, it was you couldn't you could not miss an at bat that McGuire and mm-hmm. Sosa had. You just couldn't. I still think it was awesome. I do too. <laughs> It was great. I, I think they all should be in the Hall of Fame, too. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, if you give me that opportunity to sit there and watch number 62 again, I'd take it in a blink. Were you at the ballpark? Yeah, I was in the booth. I was sitting right next to Jack. Yeah, I was sitting behind him. Yeah. I was in there, too. Yeah. It was uh, amazing. And it was, uh, we, we can say this now, it was it was interesting because both Jack and Mike were being deferential. And Jack actually went into the booth next door to recorder. call his own version yep. really? of number 62. Yeah. Wow. But then he stopped. He, yeah, he didn't do it. No, down the stretches he got to 70, he stopped doing that. Yeah. So uh, pretty interesting. And Mike obviously had the call, in it, and it was a great call by Mike Shannon. And as Mark points out, the shortest home run he hit all year. Yep. It Just over the wall. Yeah, oh down, down the left field line. Amazing. <laughs> uh, hey, thanks for your mic drops. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much for your texts. Coming up. The Cardinals have a large group of young players, but how great are they? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Cardinals talk a lot about their youth, as they should. A lot of people are excited about it. We're excited about the Cardinals' youth. But the Athletic put together an all-under-25 team, and the Cardinals, despite having under 25 players, multiple under 25 players on their team, didn't place a a player on the all under 25 team that The Athletic put together. Jordan Walker is 21, Mason Wynn is 21, Yvonne Herrera is 23, Nolan Gorman is 23, uh, Matthew Libertor is 23, Alec Burleson is 24, Dylan Carlson is 24, Andre Pallante is 24, yet the Cardinals don't have a single player on this team that has Gabriel Moreno of the Diamondbacks catching, the infield Tristan Casas of the Red Sox uh, at first, Matt McLean of the Reds at second, Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles at third, the shortstop is Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals, Edward Julian is their utility man, and then in the outfield, They've got Evan Carter of the Rangers, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, and Michael Harris, the second of the Braves. And then uh, they're starting, their DH is Royce Lewis, not our uh, Nolan Gorman. And then their starting uh, rotation has Brian Bello of the Red Sox, Bobby Miller of the Dodgers, Yuri Perez of the Marlins, Grayson Rodriguez of the Orioles, Gavin Williams of the Guardians. Number one, do you take this to heart? Is this a concern that for all the Cardinals, under 25 guys, they don't have any on this team. Not really, because for whatever reason, outside of Katie Wu and Jeremy Rutherford, the great writers of The Athletic over there for the Cardinals and Blues, for some reason it seems like The Athletic has something against St. Louis teams. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> the one that got me was Gorman, mm-hmm. because left-handed power hitters are coveted in the game. And this is a 30-home run guy if he stays on the field, 30 to 35 maybe. I can understand the Jordan Walker thing. I certainly understand Mason Wynn not being there. You got Mm -hmm. Bobby Wood Jr. You're not going to surpass him and what he's done. But the one that surprised me a little bit was Nolan Gorman. And they looked at Gorman strictly as a second baseman. And I don't believe Mm -hmm. the Cardinals are looking at Gorman strictly as a second baseman. Right. I would think, and Royce Lewis has been a pretty good hitter, but Gorman has a larger sample size and has been very impressive in his own right. From our YouTube chat from Opening Drive Superfan Josh, perhaps because we're overvaluing the Cardinals' young players? 
Well, that's one of the things I said. The Cardinals have talked about their young yeah. players. Maybe they do uh, overvalue their young players. Or maybe the people that are, and by the way, the Cardinals have a history of doing that. Or maybe the people at the Athletic are undervaluing the Cardinal players. I have no argument. How, how can you argue with Moreno? Or how can, how can you argue with Corbin Carroll or, or Bobby Witt or Gunnar Henderson? I mean, those guys have all been mm-hmm. terrific. Uh, but... That's the point of, of what we're talking about. The Cardinals have said we have all these young players, yet none of them are thought of nationally by the athletics minor league experts as being among the best. Talk about overvaluing your talent. Yankees did that all the time. Traded players. Cardinals did that most recently in the 2000s by taking these young guys that were probably overvalued, mm-hmm. turning them into trades that got you... Uh, certainly veterans, and then signing those veterans to long-term deals. So it's not a bad thing to overvalue your prospects and try to... But now, the the fo- if you look at it now, there's so many writers and specialized look at the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. A little tougher to do, I think, now than even 10 years ago. Yeah, the scouting of the minor leagues by the media, because a lot of media people wind up in major league front offices, and by other teams, Cardinals notwithstanding, are, is a lot better. I mean, when the the uh, Marlins had the choice of choosing between Junior Fernandez and Sandy Alcantara, <laughs> and they wound up taking Sandy Alcantara. And a lot of people yeah. in baseball thought Junior Fernandez was a better prospect. But they took Alcantara, and they, they scouted him correctly. Same thing with the Rays, right, with Randy Rosarena. The Cardinals obviously didn't see in Rosarena what the Rays saw. So other franchises are doing a really good job of professional scouting. It happens a lot. It really does. Now, going back to this, I think that there is a lot of young talent with the Cardinals and what they will potentially be able to do, but it really isn't that surprising that maybe they haven't made the list because with Jordan Walker, the outfield is still new to him. His name is still new, and so you'll have to see what he'll be able to do in year two. Mason Wynn, we saw a very small sample size of him last season. Will he be able to reach up to that you know big potential? Mm-hmm. There's so many other names where what really matters is will they be able to continue to develop and have that ability to do so, do so this season? You know what I'd put on there, and he hasn't even played a game yet? Jackson Holiday. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I was kind of surprised he wasn't on there. You know, I, I he's put on like 15 pounds of muscle. He looks in great shape. He's hitting for power, they say. He's going to be a stud, man. Baltimore but, is going to be really good. Yeah, the shortstop is Bobby Witt Jr. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> I'm not. He's too good. And here's the other one. When we talk about the Cardinals, what do Michael Harris II – Corbin Carroll and Julio Rodriguez all have in common as young players under 25? Can run. And they all have the big contracts already. So they're more noticeable, perhaps, than a Jordan Walker because their major league teams have recognized, okay, this is a part of our future. And I think you do look a little bit harder at somebody that already has the contract. Really interested to see if they go to Walker with an extension. Mm. Me too. And what that looks like. There is somewhat of a bar that's set, but, man, it's, it's risky on both sides. Now, you say from a player's perspective, I could be walking away from millions. If I was a player, I'd take that long-term deal because I've set up myself and my family financially forever. And from the organization side, you're given a guaranteed contract, and you don't know if the player is going to, number one, live up to it, and number two, injuries. Injuries can curtail what happens with that player, so it's risky really on both sides. I like the idea of doing it, though, because as time goes on, he's going to become more and more expensive. The asking price is going to continue to go up, so to be able to lock him up, I know it's very unlikely that it seems like the Cardinals will do that with this extension. I don't know. Maybe. Is there something that you think that could happen here soon that would change that? 
he'd be a guy I'd look at. I mean, I don't think it's off the table at this mm-hmm. point, um, mm-hmm. especially with some of the trends in baseball and you're seeing how high the numbers are getting for free agents and you try to be as fiscally responsible as you can. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Last year, before the season started, the Diamondbacks gave Corbin Carroll an eight-year deal for $111 million. Yes. They didn't allow him to get into the second year, and he had a great year, Rookie of the Year. Last year, the Royals allowed Bobby Witt to play his second year. He turned in the numbers, and his new contract is $288.7 million over 11 years. I would, if I were in the team's shoes, be inclined to get this done as quickly as possible because the price is only going to go up. It's not going to go down at all for Jordan Walker. Do you think, though, that you wait just a little bit, not not maybe all the way through year two, but just a couple months, three months in, make sure everything's trending in the right way, which everybody, I mm-hmm. think, feels that that's going to happen, and then say, okay, let's do it. We know that this guy, the, the numbers are jumping off the page, and let's let's figure something out. I like that idea, but I would also prefer, if I were in the Cardinals' shoes, to try to save money, to start those conversations now just to know what we're looking at. Yeah, where you stand on the other yeah. side. Yeah, it's 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 a valid point and for then sure. Let, let it be a negotiation, and then if he starts off great, then you say, let's get this done fast. And yeah. if, if he starts off slow, you say, okay, we can wait a little while. Well, and then also think about what it does for the mental aspect. When you talk about that Corbin Carroll contract, which really worked out for the Diamondbacks in that situation, what do you think that that does for a player when they have that security and knowing that they are a part of that bigger picture for a long time? I think you have to know the player. Mm-hmm. I think that you have to know that the player is going to continue to progress in terms of work ethic, uh, how they deal with teammates, What do you want them around, your organization, your city for that long. And if you check those boxes, then I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think Jordan Walker checks all those boxes. I do too. Yeah, And especially with what you did to him last year. If you give him a contract now and say, hey, you're going to be here. You're you're our guy. Uh, I think that that's going to – not that he's not confident already, but that his confidence will go through the roof. I think he can have a monster year, by yeah. the way. He he may have a great year this yeah. season. I, what's going to be interesting to me is where they put him in the lineup. Mm. I'd mm-hmm. like to sandwich him, him in between a couple of big bats, gets more pitches to hit. Maybe teams are more aggressive in how they approach him instead of being down in the lineup, which I understand why they did it. You didn't want to put extra pressure on him, but – very interested to see where they put him in the lineup this year. And I think he embraces the pressure. Now that we've seen him, I think he really likes being put in positions where he's counted upon. Yeah, I would agree. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to head down the stretch. Matthew will have a little edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Let's read the news. And how much is that Mega Millions now for Friday? $525 million. Let's win. Let's win, baby. Would you say, okay, let's get you on the record. If you win, you splitting it uh, four ways here? Oh. Yes. <laughs> if I win Friday nights and I get the entire $525 million, mm-hmm. I will split it with Matthew and Brooke and Dan. I will. You may never see me again. Get that money, I'm adios. <laughs> we were discussing that. What would you do in that situation? Say that so you do win the $525 million. Would you guys tell people or would you change your phone number and disappear so you don't get a million different phone calls of people begging for money? I think what you need is a, a no person. You need a firewall. 
So you tell it's like people. like if you get tickets, yeah. right? And you're a hometown yeah. guy. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, you need somebody. You need a no person. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would tell people after I get everything all set up, yeah, hmm. and have the money taken care of. I would donate a lot of it. I would, too. To be honest with you. Yeah. A lot of charitable efforts that are out there, good for the city. I would donate mm-hmm. a bunch. Me too. Become I'm the same a philanthropist. Way. Yeah. A philanthropist and really socialite. Nice. Yeah. We'd be socialites, Randy. I, I, I don't I know. See. Would I go I, th- I feel like you guys are already socialites. Uh, not quite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> March 2nd, I'm doing the uh, Duo Dog Gala. I'm wearing a suit to that. Ooh. So the Duo Dogs are cool. So you wear a suit maybe five times a year? Yeah, five, six, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay. I, I, you, you know my suit story. Yeah. <laughs> you look great in one. Thank you. No problem. I've got like four, and uh, they aren't color or style. They're weight related. <laughs> Lightweight, middleweight, uh-huh. heavyweight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I get it. Obese. Yeah. Guys have it so much easier. <laughs> we do. So much easier. Yeah. We can, for a wedding, we rent a tux, Brooke. Uh, unreal. I mean, you they have rental dress services now mm-hmm. for women, but still a little bit different. And you don't want to do that for your wedding dress, do you? You don't really want to rent no. a wedding dress, right? No. So uh, what do we got, Matthew, in the old uh, and... Uh, have you picked yours out? Have you said yes to the dress? <laughs> that transition. Uh, yeah. I, I, I have. I, I, I yes. like a reverse transition. Yes, it was like yeah. he started and came <laughs> he's back. Going, he's like, wait a minute. No, I got a question turned. to ask here. Uh, no, I knew this, but I just wanted the, the general public to know that you had said yes to the dress. I have. I have said yes to the dress. Okay. It's been, it's been done. Yeah. The other question is, and I don't think I've asked you this one. Did you have anybody that was resistant or was the, I'm not going to call them a jerk, but somebody that kept saying, I don't like that one on you. No. Good. Okay. No. Like Everybody the show, was very easy. You, I, you know, that's TV. I yeah. think they really... It was just literally me and my mom and my future mother-in-law. Okay. So very easy people to get along with. Good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It was simple. Glad you have it. And you you, you love it. You, you said yes to the I dress. do. I do. I okay, said good. yes to the dress. I, right. I hate myself for this transition, but... <laughs> okay, let's do it. Say yes to the dress. Well, we know someone who said yes to the desert. This is Desiree Reed Francois. She uh, accepted her new job at, with her opening press conference at Arizona. Leaving behind the incredible people and the community at Mizzou was not an easy decision. The student-athletes... I gave birth to one of them. Um, the staff, the coaches, uh, incredible people. The President Choi and the Tiger fan base. The SEC, Commissioner Sankey, are incredible. And I am forever grateful for the experiences and my friendships that were forged there. They will last a lifetime. However, when the opportunity arose to return to the University of Arizona, the only place I would have considered leaving Mizzou for I knew it was a chance I could not pass up. It's home. Just quite simply, it's home. Well, it seems like it was pretty easy if you took a pay cut to take over a, <laughs> an athletic department with a with $177 million deficit. Yeah, it's and, home with $177 million in deficit. Yeah. By the way, she mentioned her staff. She mentioned the student-athletes. She mentioned the coaches. I didn't hear any thanks for the board of curators there. Oh, wow. Nope. There we go. That's that's what we should be looking into. Arizona also has to buy her out, I believe. Correct? Yeah, but that's it's not a big deal. Yeah. When you're $177 million in debt, what's the I know. It's just, we're just going to keep adding this up, aren't we? <laughs> just so, but more. she did choke up a little bit. That's good. She's going to miss us, I know. Mm. So uh, yes, and she did a really good job at Mizzou. It's a big loss for Mizzou and a, a good gain for Arizona. Congratulations to them. She come on the air with you guys? Yeah, 
Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was great. She's very nice. She, and she always made her way into St. Louis. She was always at the National Football Foundation events, and uh, she was fantastic. Uh, Coach Gates talked about how mm-hmm. she was at all the events, and when they would do their uh, events during the summer, she was always not only there, but always very accessible, not only to the media, but the fans. I, there's a hundreds of fans out there that have had conversations with Desiree Reed Francois. And let me tell you something. She Every year she would come in and do the National Football Foundation luncheon and they would fill it up with like 50 tables. And this past year in the fall, she said, do we have time before we get started? And I said, oh yeah, take your time. And she said, I've talked to every table, but I need to talk to that one and that one. She wanted to engage every single individual in the room before we got started as a, as a group session. That's how she works. And that's a big ask for that board of curators as they look for their new athletic director to find somebody who can engage the fan base and the donors like Desiree does. I'm very interested to see who will be the next person that comes in because yeah. it will be hard to fill that because in her short time there at Mizzou, she definitely has changed that program a lot and for in a good way. Absolutely. She's great. MLS kicks off tonight. Uh, Inter-Miami is going to be playing. And if you guys didn't know, which no one would blame you because how would you know, um, MLS season is going to be kicking off with replacement refs, which we've known in our time watching sports has never gone poorly for a league or anything like that. Mm. Will we really notice? Is it that bad? I think it, uh, it's certainly noticeable in soccer because the calls can change games in a bigger way than even football. Like the football one was magnified because it's it's because it's the you know one guy here, yeah, one one, one guy here in the end zone nationally televised game. But the thing is, is in soccer, one call of you saying that's a, that that's a, that's a a card worthy foul in the box because you don't because you're inexperienced that changes the game. That's a penalty kick. That's completely shifts it in a lot of ways. So I th- definitely think this can be big because here's the thing. It's not just the refs in the game. It's also the sideline officials. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys who call offsides. And sometimes they suck at their job. I guess my question is this. Do MLS fans in general, not overall soccer fans, but do MLS fans think that the officiating is great? Like, will they be on the side of the officials um, here? Uh, they'll be on the side of the officials as business people because yeah. their asks are not ridiculous. But I think, yeah, fans always hate officials. Well, but hand, people handball that that comes to mind. Oh yeah, that last year, huh? Yeah, that, that that's, that's yeah, But do you want do you want a, a, a ref who's less experienced in that situation? No, absolutely as, not. as opposed to Some, a more experienced ref. Some, sometimes no. I'll take the better one. I'll be paying attention uh, to Messi. Is he playing tonight? Yeah, he's playing yeah. tonight. Yes. Yeah, I'm not gonna worry about the ref, so I'm gonna watch Messi. <laughs> you said the exact thing that like the really diehard MLS fans just pisses them off, and that's what I love about it is because they hate that people want to watch Messi instead of just wanting to watch sh- the Chicago Fire suck. One of the things, which is it makes a lot of sense. Messi's exactly one of the greatest that's players. That's the point. Ever. There's a reason yeah. why the MLS is paying him. There's a reason why essentially City is subsidizing Messi's contract to probably lose to him at some point this year. Because it's better for the whole league. One of the things that I love about our soccer fan base here in St. Louis, and it wasn't always this way, but I believe that they have the desire now to bring as many people under the umbrella of being soccer fans as they possibly can. It used to be, oh, you you can't be one of us. Don't even talk about it. But now there, and there are still people out there that are still going to say that. But when you go to games and you talk to soccer fans at Fenton Bar and Grill, they want you if you're a novice, to be brought under the umbrella so that you become a fan too. I don't know why any fan would want to 
limit the fan base uh, of the people that are watching their team. Sometimes that happens, though. But I, I love our fan base. The City SC fan base is really open-minded. Very and they understand welcoming. that not everybody has been a soccer fan all their life. Yeah, very, very welcoming because some people who are just getting into it, either way, you have people going in and participating in the environment, and I think it's a very welcoming fan base. So just seeing all the action, too, leading into the mm-hmm. game, how do how can you not want to be a part of that? It's exciting to see. Right, and... To your point, Dan, a guy like Messi is going to bring people under the umbrella. That's the thing. That one superstar, if you get 10 people that say, okay, I'm going to watch the game because of Messi. If you have 1,000 people that watch the game because of Messi and 10 become big fans that are investing money eventually in the sport, that's a good thing. I would say you guys, casual fans of soccer, I would watch Messi. Mm -hmm. I'm a casual fan, but... He'll be on tonight. I'll watch. Yep. He's that good. And by the way, I don't think Mbappe has signed his deal yet. So the opening is still there over at uh, SC. And we know you're listening, uh, Diego, because you were on with us yesterday. You love the show now. Just go get Mbappe for us, okay? Yeah, I'm sure he won't cost that much well, to bring it. The, the worth of it's the uh, Enterprise family, Brooke. Come on, they got money. Yeah, but they, the, the, <laughs> apparently the, the franchise is worth a couple hundred million, which is also what it would cost to buy Mbappe. Mm. Well, here's the thing, though. Where's he going? Saudi Arabia? Uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. How's Real Madrid's zoo? Uh, Free zoo, according to Randy. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. The, the, the team of the Royals. So it's a nice zoo. Just happened. <laughs> Zoo. Great Driving job a, force. <laughs> great job by a producer, audio video engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. And you can throw in emos, too. Do they have emos? They do not in Madrid. They don't have emos. They do have St. Louis University. They have a campus over there in Madrid. Pretty cool. Yeah, but, but they don't have emos. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Daniel. Yeah. You were awesome today, as oh, always. Oh, you were great. You're the king. You and Brooke were outstanding. Rock, you great were, job as always. And, uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We have a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us until mon- Monday. Come on, I think it's Friday. <laughs> Whoa. Until tomorrow morning <laughs> at 7. Have a great hump day, everyone. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.